Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by LinkedIn. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that next person to help grow your business, LinkedIn jobs will match the right talent with your open role fast. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability, LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of the qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the, seen by the people you want to hire people with skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn and why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering the quality hires. Find the right business for your, find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team Again, that's linkedin.com slash team, T-E-A-M, to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. What's going on, guys? We're back once again. Kind of an off-the-subject uh, episode just to keep things going in this uh, this world that we're living in uh, these days. A good buddy of mine, uh, Ryan Simmons, we go back many, many years. I went to college with him. He and I were the um, play-by-play announced team for Western Illinois football our junior and senior year out at Western. And, and our, our claim to fame is that we were the announced team that called Tony Romo's last college football game uh, in, uh, against, uh, in Eastern Illinois when our Western Illinois Leathernecks pounded Tony Romo and Eastern Illinois into the ground in the first round of the 2002 1AA uh, playoffs. He and I were the team that called that game. That's right. You're welcome. So, uh, but Ryan joins me on the show. Gonna have a fun discussion about the top ten favorite sports movies. So it's not really Bears related or anything like that. We're just having a little fun, giving you guys something to listen to uh, in this uh, this uh, unique world uh, that we're living in. So, uh, hey, it's the top ten favorite sports movies uh, of episode of the Bear Stock Underground. So let's get to it. It's an odd world that we're living in uh, these days, and uh, we content uh, providers are uh, kind of scrambling for ideas and, and things to do because we're sports podcasters, and yet there's no sports uh, going on uh, out there. Um, so we're doing what we can to stay as busy as we possibly can so that you guys can have something to do to fill the hours uh, in this uh, l- unique situation that we're all living in. What's going on, everybody? Larity back. 
This is the top 10 favorite sports movies uh, episode of the Bears Talk Underground. My buddy uh, Ryan Simmons will be joining us here in just a few minutes to uh, to get this conversation started. And I hope that you're going to get comfortable. Uh, I had the option of uh, or, or uh, gave myself the option of maybe splitting this up into two pieces because it was quite a long uh, discussion. But um, you know what? I figured to hell with it. Uh, I'll just release it all at once. Those who want to listen to it will. Those who won't, you won't. So there you go. So, uh, like I said, we're just putting this out there. Uh, we had an awesome conversation, uh, a lot of fun talking about these um, movies and what makes the top ten and uh, uh, and everything like that for us. Uh, each of us had our own unique list. And, um, you know, just kind of breaking down what the difference between uh, you know, clarifying what the difference between the best sports movie and the favorite sports movie. There's a distinction between the two, and we talk about that uh, at the top of the um, discussion. Uh, I know that this is a Chicago Bears uh, podcast, and uh, we're kind of in the midst of free agency. Uh, typically what I like to do with that, uh, it's only been a week since the free agency period started, so I'm going to give it another week. So uh, like a week from today, I'll be doing the free agency review where I'll break down all the moves. We'll talk about uh, who the Bears let go, who signed where, who the Bears have acquired, and, and uh, how that might shape up the roster for 2020. If there is going to be a 2020 season, who the hell knows at this point because the Olympics that were supposed to take place in August are now not taking place until 2021. So... Who the hell knows what to expect and uh, if we're all just spinning our wheels here. But we'll keep spinning them best we can uh, until we know what the uh, until the uncertainty of the future is made certain to the rest of us. So, um, you know, I'm going to hold off on my thoughts and opinions on the moves that the Bears have made for next week's show when we review the uh, the moves in the free agency review episode. I don't know if I'll be riding solo for that one or if I'll bring somebody in. Uh, to give me their thoughts and, and ideas on, on what the Bears have done. Thumbs up, thumbs down, so on uh, and so forth. So not going to, uh, you know, waste a lot of time here. It's a long enough discussion. You're going to be listening to my voice for plenty if you stick around to the end. So I'm just going to go ahead and get to it. Myself and Ryan Simmons with our top 10 favorite sports movies of all time. <laughs> So here we are to have a little bit of fun and to kind of fill in the dead air that is life uh, at this point with no sports going on and, you know, ESPN really just milking the shit out of the uh, free agency period and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Thought I might do a little off the subject. This is old school for the for the gentleman I have on the show with me. My good friend Ryan Simmons going to join us for the top 10 favorite sports movie discussion simmons what's going on man i'm alive and well how are you i'm doing well i'm in quarantine like everyone else so uh yeah i think i'm gonna make it so weird uh, times indeed. weird times yeah indeed. thank god for the nfl for actually having news while everybody else is doing nothing i'm just so glad that they didn't put it on hold you know i'm so glad yeah. they didn't put it on hold they just let it they just let it be and and uh you know so there could be something uh, going on, I thought I really thought the UFC was going to hang on, but uh, 
Nah, they they folded like everybody else. So uh, yeah. there won't be any fights this weekend or next weekend or the weekend after that or whatever. So anyway, there's a caveat here. You notice that I said these will be the 10 favorite sports movies, not the 10 best sports movies because Simmons and I have actually shared our lists with each other or the movies on them. I don't, we didn't talk about rankings or anything like that. So we don't know where these movies sit, but the difference between a favorite movie and the best movie, my favorite example would have to be say like 2012. This is it. We've got an Amex platinum pro on our hands. Ladies and gentlemen, we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The, my favorite movie in 2012 would be Gravity, but the best movie that came out in 2012 is 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. And that you... actually won Best Picture that year. And when I talk about favorite, we're talking about rewatchability something that you enjoy uh-huh. watching over and over again 12 years a slave was an amazing achievement in cinema i would not watch it again if you paid me because that yeah. fucking thing was so brutal i just couldn't sit through it again but it was an amazing amazing movie it was the best definitely not my favorite oh my god you totally just nailed how to i mean you gave the most extreme example of how to think about this list but I mean, I always use 12 Years a Slave as an example of one of um, one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life Yeah, that I could never say that's one of my favorite movies or right. that's a movie that I need to watch again. Um, that movie fucked with me for a while, man. <laughs> I got to be honest. I mean, it was you. just like this is this like I mean, it's like we, we've obviously we heard the stories. You go to school and. You hear about slavery and all that kind of stuff, but this is the, the way was it portrayed in that film? Uh, just oh, an absolute nightmare, like you know, gut wrenching. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and the acting was so phenomenal in that movie. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, but that that's but that's that's the example. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about a movie that that you love that you know. Is not going to win any Oscars. It's it's you're going to see it on TBS or TNT or AMC over and over again. It doesn't mean that it's the best movie. And and in in fact, you know when we talked about our list beforehand, Simmons, we were 
a little bit some kind of I don't want to say shame, but maybe embarrassment about some movies that we made that made a top ten list. And yeah. you know, I think it's like that's why it's important to make the distinction about top ten favorite movies versus top ten best movies. Because if we were doing top ten best sports movies, that's a totally different discussion from the one we're about to have. Right. And, you know, I, as we were putting to, together this list and you talked about watchability, um, which which is a big part of this list. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, as I looked at it, I realized something about my, myself when it came to sports and movies. Hmm. And and this is why something like uh, for me, I'll, I'll let the cat out of the bag now, the wrestler doesn't make my top 10. I've noticed that for the most part in my top 10 I I want to have fun watching yes. this movie. So yeah. I've noticed that either the movie does one of two things for me, and you'll notice this on my list. I'm having a great uh, great time laughing, kind of just enjoying it. I can kind of go in and out of the movie. Or on a little bit of the flip side, it's so focused on the season um, at hand and it's like just buckle up because it's all about the actual season of a team or a person going through a season which is which is like is probably close to this of just watching the sport as could be so it's just sure. kind of interesting I either trailed off with that let's just have a fun goofy time or hey I kind of feel like actually watching a real football game or a real baseball game but I'll just watch this movie and go through the season with them together. Right. Um, right. So that that's kind of how it worked, and and that just reminded me of one other, um, um, now nah, what do you call it? Uh, honorable mention. I got to add crap at the end. <laughs> so um, we'll get to that those down the road. All right. So top ten favorite sports movies. Simmons, you want to start? Or do you want me to? Yeah. So um, with everything we just said, this is going to sound um, this should make sense, but it could sound ridiculous to somebody when you're making a top 10 list. And this is 10 and you find out what like my number one or two movie is on this list. But um, coming in at number 10, um, probably from a movie standpoint, one of the best sports movies of all time is Remember the Titans. So um, great movie, obviously, with Denzel Washington as the coach. Came out, I think, around the year 2000. Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer movie. Um, I don't really remember who directed it, but uh, um, just one of those movies that, um, you know, again, has a strong head coach. Uh, it's that uh, you got the, the high school kids, and that, that formula kind of works. Yeah, you know what? I, I've always liked that. Uh, movie it didn't make my list didn't make my honorable mentions uh for me because it, i i don't it's not a rewatchable for me i I, yeah. I mean i can watch it when it's on but i kind of have to be in the mood for it because of the the setting it's it's the south in the 60s and there's a lot of racial tension it's about uh you know the first black head coach in a you know a big time southern foot actually it was like virginia so I, I guess it's the south but it's it's the east coast if you ask me but yeah. Um, you know, but they, they go through this thing and if he loses one game, he's getting fired. So there's that it's, it's not really a fun movie for me. Like you mentioned before, you, you, you'd like to have fun, uh, with it. And I think I have more fun watching the players get along than I do with the football. Cause you always feel like the tension and the pressure of not losing a football game or it's going to cost him his job. I have more fun watching the black kids and the white kids, interact with each other and getting to know the differences and kind of enjoying them more so than I did watching the football in that movie. 
Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think there's, I don't know. I do think I, this is going to sound totally weird. Uh, I enjoy watching movies sometimes where um, somebody that's not white, whoever that may be, has to like kind of come up against um, some white strangled in a community. And I just, I think what it is about that movie, I just find myself rooting for the Denzel Washington character throughout to sure. change people. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah. You know, I, I also have mixed feelings about this because I remember distinctly when I saw this movie mm-hmm. thinking that the um, the 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 white guys, I can't remember his name, but the little girl with the blonde hair and the curls and mm-hmm. thinking that this nine year old Hayden Panettiere, that's who that was. Yeah. was like, man, she's probably going to be hot when she gets older. I'm like, what am I thinking? She's nine. What is wrong with you? So. Yeah, that's why I kind of have mixed. Fa- I turn out to be right, but that's kind of <laughs> kind of creepy. But anyway, <laughs> my number ten. Moving along, uh, I went with Draft Day at, at number ten, and you and I saw this movie uh, together, and um, I think we can both agree that there's a lot of flaws uh, in this movie. But once the draft finally starts and the clock is ticking, the last like 20, 30 minutes of that movie where we're in the war room, we're making moves and, and doing things, makes the first hour and 10 worth it. I completely agree. So the movie kind of starts off slow. You've got Kevin Costner in the lead roles, the GM, I think, of the, the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns. Brown, yeah. I never really buy the chemistry between him and Jennifer Garner. That piece of this movie just never really worked for me. No. Um, but once we got into the, you know, once we got to draft day um, and that 30 minutes of real chaos and then just kind of the way he pulled off trades and negotiated, it was just so damn good. I didn't care how good the movie was. I was having a blast watching it. Yeah, and whenever it came on like AMC or something like that, if we're even close to the draft, I'm stuck till the end of the movie. Like I'm watching this, I'm going through, uh, you know, just so I can watch them bleep out pancake eating motherfucker in the middle uh, at the end when he's when he's getting his first round picks back and uh, everything. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, the, the, let's talk about the flaw, because I know you, yeah. you went, like I said, you and I saw this movie together, and the one big yeah. thing that you and I both hated was the mother that had to absolutely do this thing honoring the dad on this day of all days. Uh, yeah, um, you're going to have to remind me of that, but I remember that being annoying. Well, it's like his dad passed away. He had his he had his yes. body cremated, and the, he wanted his ashes spread out like on the practice field because it was named after him, at the actual team facility. Right. And she wanted to do it in the middle of the most important day of the off season for the team. She is adamant that it has to be done now. He's like, "No, we're not doing this today. It's not happening today. We'll do it some other time." She like hits him in the face or something like like No, it's happening oh. today. She ends up like doing it without him. Like she got like everybody in the in the organization, like including the head coach Dennis Leary, who I didn't really care for as a head coach in this movie, but not a good head coach, not yeah. not at all. And but everyone goes out there and they do the tribute or whatever without him. He kind of watches in spite from a bench, just in, outside the practice facility uh, and everything. But it's like this would not be happening on this day. Like it, you know, as far as like you know, um, what's uh, suspension of disbelief. 
I don't believe for a second that this would actually be happening on draft day. Like they yeah. probably wouldn't even let his mother in the facility on that day. Yeah, okay, I'm remembering now. That part was so stupid. They they tried to jam too much into this movie, yeah. and this kind of goes back to the Jennifer Garner piece as well. I understand when you make a movie, you've got to have a couple of different subplots along the way, but for me, it just was so forced that like at some point while you're writing this movie or doing this movie, you need to recognize, you know what? Let's just own the fact that it's draft day and not worry about some of this shit. Like, right. let's just let it go. This would be the stuff that that uh, <laughs> a good way to look at this. And I'm sure this isn't the case. But um, if there was a book draft day that came out and then that's what spawned the movie. This is the stuff that doesn't make it to the screen. Right. Yes. Yes. But somehow it got through, got past the goalie. Uh, on that <laughs> and despite the fact that we've been cutting it down more than anything else i actually do uh enjoy the movie i like the stuff about football uh i could do uh, without like the romantic angle and i sure as hell can do without the mother and her um deal let's just put it that way um but i enjoy the the you know the going back and forth and in the investigation into bo callahan and why he shouldn't be the number one pick and uh and all that kind of stuff i enjoyed all of that and then like we said before the last 20, 30 minutes where we're in the war room, we're making moves, we're doing this, that, and another, and he you know, finagles one pick into three, and he got a punt returner because I feel like it, and you know, all that kind of stuff. I enjoy the ending of the movie makes all the rest of that bullshit worth it. So, yeah, it, it, there's one other thing I want to throw out here. I remember us kind of talking about this after we saw this movie. Um with some of the things you brought up about Bo Callahan and, and some of the not-so-greatest parts about football, it was a little interesting that the NFL, it felt like an advertisement for the NFL at times watching the movie. Yeah, It was very, like, NFL splashy of logos and, like, um, just the way that they presented the whole movie, it definitely felt like the NFL kind of had their fingerprints on it as well. Yeah. But then at the same time, it was kind of odd that they had their fingerprints on it as well because we kind of admitted not every player is a perfect citizen. Right. Right. <laughs> so uh, that was just a piece where I was kind of like, huh, kind of surprised that uh, they went ahead and owned this here. But uh it was a fun movie. I, I remember us kind of just watching it again at the beginning, kind of wondering where this is going, and then we found ourselves kind of giggling and, and kind of really getting into it as Costner worked the room. Yeah, that was good stuff. That I did enjoy that, and you know, obviously I'm, I'm grateful that it was at the end because, like I said, it, it made crossing the finish line worth what we had to do to get there. So, yeah. uh, so number 10 for me. Number 9 for you, Simmons. Let's move on. Number nine, Moneyball. Um, nice. And, you know, one of the, the best movies of its year was, what did we say, 2010 maybe for that movie? Uh, Moneyball was 2011. That 2011. was a bad year for movies, actually. Moneyball was nominated for Best Picture, lost yeah. out to the silent movie The Artist. Uh, did you like The Artist? I saw it once and I didn't hate it. I went and saw it because I'm that guy that has to right. see all of the Oscar movies. and. I, I it was definitely unique. Nothing like anything you've seen that year. Did I think it was the best movie? No, not not by a long shot. Yeah, yeah. So Moneyball, obviously the story um, of um, 
of the the Oakland A's, but of course, more importantly, Billy Bean, who really put together the Oakland A's um, by by basically the the idea of of sabermetrics and and digging into all of the the metadata and stats that are out there that maybe you know the rest of the scouts weren't looking at, and they had to be able to do it because the A's didn't have a ton of money to just go throw at every superstar free agent out there. Um, obviously, see now this is actually a great example of a movie. Um, that that did have pieces to Billy Bean's life um, as far as outside of sport that did didn't that didn't feel forced that made right. sense that told a story that we actually cared about um, and wasn't off the wall crazy back to your point of my mom trying to make me spread ashes on the day of draft day and if that mom is my mom and I am the GM of a football team, and I've probably worked in sports for 25-plus years, she'd probably understand that this is not the time for this. So right. <laughs> the yeah. more I think about it, it's like it's not a mom that doesn't know things. Like, clearly she does because her husband and son have been involved. This day makes no sense. Sorry to get back on draft day. But, um, yeah, with Moneyball, it, they all of the things outside of the sport – were a part of the movie, added to the movie, made sense here. Yeah. Um, the one thing that actually sticks out to me, and, and again, you being more of the movie guy, but this is just kind of with my memory, I feel like this was the first time I saw Jonah Hill in a different light. Hmm. Is that right? Am I missing a movie in between this and some of his goofy movies? I think this was the one that made him made him legit, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he got nominated for, for Best Supporting Actor, uh, for that one, so I mean, I think it was also the one that kind of brought him to light in uh, in the uh, in the in everyone's eyes. To be honest yeah. with you, because a year or two later, after this, he gets nominated again for his supporting role in uh, the Wolf the of Wolf. Wall Street. Yeah, you know, another fantastic uh, movie that uh, unfortunately was not sports centric, so we won't be talking about it. But <laughs> you know, it's it's but you know, you're right. I think this was like one of the first times that. That Jonah Hill did something that wasn't over the top silly or anything like that that made him, you know, a serious actor or to be considered one for that match. Yeah. So, but I I love Moneyball too. As a matter of fact, it's number three uh, on on my list. So, um, you know, we can have a little bit of a longer conversation uh, about this. You know, for me, I, the like, you know, I love the the rewatchability of this one, especially when they're. Um, when when Billy Bean has had enough with how Art Howe is running the team because he's not running the team the way that it's meant to be as far as the Moneyball uh, situation right. uh, is concerned. He wants this one guy, Hatterberg, he wants him to be on first base because Hatterberg gets on base, and that's how we – you get on base and you score runs, that's how you win with the players that we have. Instead, they keep playing Carlos Pena because he's an all-star first baseman who doesn't always get on base as much as Hatterberg does. They'll have more success doing what they're trying to do with Hatterberg. So what does Billy Bean do? He works the phones and trades Carlos Pena away. <laughs> he trades uh, Jeremy Giambi away, gets rid of him, goes and gets this middle reliever that he's been drooling over for a while. And, you know, you see him and Jonah Hill, like, celebrating in the office after they've worked the phones and manipulated to get it to this way. And then they go to Art Howe and be like, hey, uh, tough shit, man. You, you're you've got no choice but to do it the way I want you to do it. And then from then on, they went on that streak. And of course, the money, the movie climax is spoiler alert by them breaking the American League record for most consecutive wins. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I, I also, you mentioned uh, the Art Howe piece. That, of course, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who I thought did a, a really nice job uh, mm-hmm. as Art Howe in that movie. And really, I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman does a nice job in basically every movie he's ever been in, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we can maybe, your call if we want to talk about that a little bit more. But uh, Moneyball, my number nine. Yeah, I mean, I just like you know. I said when when it's one of those movies, whenever it comes on TV, I'm always uh, I'm always checking it out. Um, I think the only person I don't like in the movie is the ex husband's new husband. You know, that's kind of like a wimpy kind of squirrely guy, and you know, but he's all <laughs> he's oh, you're that's a great accomplishment, Billy. You should be really proud of yourself. And he's like, yeah, man, thanks, <laughs> appreciate it, and. You know, we got your daughter a cell phone. Yeah, well, me and my wife will talk about the cell phone situations. Yeah. You're not her dad, so back off glasses. So Def- Definitely from Billy Bean's point of view, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So, but, you know, I just, I, I really, really enjoyed that movie. I was looking forward to it when it came out, and then I was more than thrilled uh, with how it uh, turned out. So, uh, moving on. Number nine for me, the program. Yeah. You know, one of the first um, one of the first movies that was really kind of a rewatchable for me. This movie came out my sophomore year in high school. I went out and saw it day one, which means Simmons. I am one of the few people who saw the scene that ended up getting cut from the movie pretty much immediately. Right. So let's talk about that scene. I um, I I. I remember hearing about it, and of course, this was, sorry people, this is before the time of the internet. I don't remember how I found out about it. I guess just the old uh, word of mouth, and maybe somebody mentioned it on the news. Um, But I remember it really being a thing and a lot of backlash around it. Well, the the scene was uh, a bunch of the players, just, just before the season's about to kick off, they're, they're getting together. So we've got all of our main characters. We've got the the linebacker who can barely read, but he's an All-American who's going to be a definite top 10 NFL pick. We got the steroid-ridden defensive tackle who's been a special teamer but decided to get ripped one summer, and he's going to start this year. We have our prized recruit running back and our quarterback uh, all meeting up in the same bar to hang out for the first time. Oh, and don't forget our country-fed uh, offensive lineman. Uh, as well so <laughs> that's a staple in every football movie yes, by the way absolutely right? and uh, our our quarterback of course he's the leader but he's crazy he's got an edge to him yes. uh, and everything he's reading his own article in sports illustrated about how he's a heisman contender and decides that uh they're gonna go out into the street and they're gonna lay down on the double yellow lines and just wait for the and they're all head to toe with each other laying on that on the double stripe there and the cars and of course for some reason at 10 o'clock 11 o'clock whatever time it is in a college town it's bumper to bumper traffic going back and forth uh on either side and that scene of course was cut out of the movie very early on in its release because there were people who were stupid enough to actually go out and do it and were getting run over by cars and you want to know what's crazy? If this movie had come out now with all the crap we got out here with YouTube, with TikTok, with Instagram, with Facebook, with all of it, you better believe this would have been even a bigger problem now because everybody would have had to not only do it, but record it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we would have had live stream deaths on uh, on Instagram Live Periscope or Facebook or Live something or whatever. Yeah, Periscope. That's a good one. But um, despite all that, 
it's it's a lot of fun. You go through. You, you basically the star of the movie is Omar Epps. He's our rookie, our rookie, our freshman running back. He gets recruited. Yep. He's not academically eligible, so he's got to take some extra classes. And it's the grind about him trying to adapt to this life. We have Joe Kane, the quarterback, who's crumbling under the Heisman Trophy pressure, and and all the rest of that stuff. So I yep. mean, it goes back and forth. It follows these main characters and tells their story and james Kahn, of course is our head coach of the esu timberwolves Mm -hmm. and uh their battle to uh get back to a major bowl after missing a bowl for the last couple of seasons yeah and um that's funny that i'm going to be the one to go this route but uh (laughs) um what can't be missed upon this movie is when we saw it and our age. So you yeah. were what about 15, 15. Yes. Okay. And I was 13. So around this time, uh, this for me was probably, well, there's actually another movie I'll bring up, but this was kind of the introduction to one Halle Berry. Ooh. <laughs> so, um, this was one of the, the first movies she did from a large scale. Um, mm-hmm. One of the underrated movies of when I was younger, growing up, uh, The Last Boy Scout. I, nice. She was in that, I believe, as well. Yes, she was. But um, uh, you had Halle Berry, because this, this is a part of that movie, right? Like, if you're making a movie that's about football and, and there's gotta you know. has got to be a girl. There's got to, well, be well there's got to be a few of them, right? Like, that's just, like, oh, yeah. part of the makeup. It's kind of like, how can we get uh preteen teen boys excited about this movie well you got to have football you got to have the guy that's smart the guy that's goofy the guy that's out of his mind then you got to have like the sweetheart and you got to have the girl that's you know maybe uh you know a little more uh um, adventurous so to speak uh but yeah you had Halle Berry you had Christy Swanson you Mm -hmm. had Joey Lauren Adams like you had like all these women that were going to continue to do great things or, or you know, be some, you know, a star of, of their own movies down the road. And I think the three of them, for all three of them, I think they were just kind of starting to come into their own. So um, a lot of people kind of came out of this movie. And really, um, as far as the budding stars, it was really more on the, the female side than the male side. Yeah, yeah. And, and. Uh, the disappointing part of uh, Halle Berry is she's kind of this buttoned up mm-hmm. kind of girl. She's she's definitely covered up. She wears a lot of turtlenecks and sweaters and uh, and things. Definitely not out there trying to um, entice Omar Epps at all. Even though he's adamant about getting some of that the entire movie, um, she's not out there showing off what she's got, and she's got plenty to show off. That's for sure. Uh, when I the last time I saw it was like two or three years ago, and I'm sitting there watching it, and it's the scene where Joe Kane meets Christy yeah. Swanson, and she's working on like she's trying to strengthen up her knee in the gym and uh, and all that kind of stuff, and it comes out that she's a tennis player, and I was like, she's not a tennis player, <laughs> she's not. She's a little. I mean, I know we got Serena Williams out there now, but yeah. she was a little too thick to be a tennis player, uh, in my opinion. But that's what they had her doing in the movie, so. Got and a and a brunette, Christy Swanson too. She's famously known as a blonde, but she looked pretty good as a brunette in this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think um, I'm trying to think what else she was. So she had just hit it big as far as um, really being in front of the the teenage eye the year before with the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Right. Um, but before that, I think just a lot of TV and not like anything really big in terms of making a ton of mo- money. Um, and she was like, she was just still kind of, you know, um, 
kind of getting into the uh, the mainstream. So my favorite yeah. movie of hers is a movie called The Chase. It's her and Charlie yeah, yeah. Sheen in a high speed chase for yes. ninety minutes. I that that was one underrated of those movie. movie. Absolutely underrated movie. I, I love that one. That one's really good. So um, and then yeah. of course we we would be remiss if we don't mention um, the head coach James Kahn as yes. Sam Winters. Um, James Kahn is one of the uh, you know I think what you're going to see here a theme throughout these top ten is there's almost another section and this is not where you think I'm going but there's also another section of just like what actors are the best overall actors of the sports movie genre. Because James Caan, we probably can name him in three or four sports movies. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Kevin Costner just a little while ago. He's a guy that's got a hell of a stranglehold on sports movies. So yeah. uh, I think there's like a uh, almost like a sports movies hall of fame. Yeah. And I think you would have to, I think Kevin Costner is probably the guy in there um, just off the first top of my head here. But James Caan has got to be in that that main wing, that first class, uh, you would think, so to speak. Well, I mean, this is a Bears show and he was in Brian's song. So that yeah. automatically puts him in the hall of fame. Uh, as far as my listeners uh, are concerned, so it's uh, there's no argument here about James Conn being one of those sports movie Hall of Fame guys. Yeah. So, All right. Number eight. Number eight. Uh, this is our first basketball movie to make it into our list. I uh, had to go with Hoosiers. Um, Speaking so, of head coaches and Hall of Fame guys. Right, right to it, right? So um, Gene Hackman in a few sports movies as well, and we'll kind of discuss as we go along. Um, the head coach of this movie, obviously, Coach Norman Dale, um, coaching a, a, you know, a very underdog uh, high school basketball team, and he turns around the small town and gets them to be, you know, uh, you know a top contender for the state championship. Um just it's one of the underdog movies, right? So that's another piece of sports, right? There's yeah. not many sports movies that have the favorite going into the season or the favorite, the best athlete with nothing wrong with them going into the season. Um, not a good story to tell. Stories are usually about underdogs. And so I think we're going to talk a lot about underdogs throughout this list as well. And I, oh, yeah. I think Hoosiers... And I'm sure you're going to be able to come up with something or listeners are going to be like, God, you missed like 10 movies. But Hoosiers to me is one of the first movies I can remember that is about an underdog sports team that came out. Um, and this movie, what, like about 1986-ish, give or take? 86, 87, somewhere okay. around there, yeah. yeah. And uh, really, when you think about the ultimate team underdog movies, you can't have that list without Hoosiers. Absolutely. I mean, this was a it was a true story or based on a based on a true story about Indiana high school basketball during a time when there was one state champion for the entire state. Crazy. Right. You know, and for this little, t you know, and that was the thing where it's like maybe one of these small schools could qualify and make it to the state tournament. But normally they would get steamrolled by schools from the bigger cities, had more, you know, more players, bigger players, the bigger, faster, stronger thing but gene hackman was able to lead this team all the way to the state championship game uh despite the fact that his players were slow and white and not as good as most of the teams that they were playing but they played together they listened to their coach they did what they were told and they overcame the odds 
Yeah. Um, as far as performances, obviously, this was a heavy performance by Gene Hackman in this movie. But yeah. not to be missed on this, Dennis Hopper, I thought, was one of the shining stars in this movie as well um, as as Shooter. Um, and, uh, obviously if you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming everybody has seen this movie, but, um, I had a, had a drinking problem and, and I thought he just did a good job of kind of telling the story of that character as well. And, uh, added a little bit to it. And, and one final thing, I think I, we would be remiss in something else to talk about that sports movies bring us is some of the greatest movie soundtracks of all time, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you, the Hoosiers soundtrack, especially in the eighties and nineties became like a music bed for almost any, any radio show or, or, or a TV show that maybe is talking about sports and they're introing into it and they're kind of trying to play a music that's a little bit recognizable. And that Hoosiers theme was, was brought up time and time again. Um, one of, uh, one of the, the great, uh, theme songs that you, that everybody instantly knows it um, w- when they hear it. So, um, God, one other thing I wanted to say, and this is slightly off the subject, is just when you were when you were just kind of laying out like this is a movie about Indiana high school basketball, and I know it's funny to say in your show that sports isn't everything, and I think we all realize there are other things that are important in this world, but. I got to tell you, this is where we get to start old as a generation. But, man, there was something to high school sports, whether it's football or basketball, on a Friday or Saturday night and no social media, uh, no other distractions, you know, just like the community showed. I think this was a good thing. Um, obviously, you have the, the parents that are over the top, but this was a good thing about sports um, back in the day is that it brought communities together. Yeah, absolutely. I miss and that, man. I, I miss, I miss well, going man. to games and seeing that student section filled up and fired up and, and cheering and having a good time. And I think about all the fun that I had that, that didn't require social media and all this crap, um, which I love as well. But um, it, it's taken away from us as far as being a community of people. Yeah. No, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I, I miss, uh, you know, my, and when I was in high school, we played our games on Saturday afternoon. So when, when we got an opportunity to play on Friday night, there oh, was something else in the air when you played uh, on Friday night. And and what made it especially special for us is that if we got to play on Friday nights, we were on the road somewhere. We were on enemy yeah. territory, so there was that about going into a strange place. You're in a different atmosphere. There's just something different in the air. Like the crowd seems to be a little bit more jazzed up because it's Friday and no one has to get up for shit tomorrow. So they're going to have right. fun tonight, <laughs> right. and they're just going to watch a football game and cheer on their squad, and maybe they cheer a little bit louder on Friday night than they would on Saturday afternoon and uh, things like that. So it was, it was always a big treat for us when we got to play uh on fridays and um that was always a big deal especially when uh when we were in the playoffs we played almost all of our games on friday night so that was always fun yeah and you know thinking about that that friday you're right that there's is something about that friday night so i used to work for a tv station and uh did a lot of um did a lot of high school sports coverage especially on the friday nights for basketball and football and, you know, I, I was able to kind of cover my school sometimes or some of the bigger schools in either state of Illinois or Iowa that, that maybe had some big matchups. But I got to tell you, man, 
there was something about driving in the middle of nowhere through cornfields in Illinois or Iowa and driving up upon a town of like 5,000 or less, having no clue where the football stadium is. And as you get closer to the, the, the town, just follow the lights. Yeah. And, and as lights. you drive around, there is no traffic in the small town. <laughs> Sometimes not every gas station's even open. Right. It is everybody is at the game, and it's this 5,000-person small town versus the, the small town 15 miles down the road, and everybody is heavily invested um, or having a great time. And uh, you know where I'm from, the pork chop sandwiches were a big thing uh, on, on Friday nights at football games. The grills were out. Like It just... Um, thinking about this movie, even though it's on the basketball side, just got me thinking about how much I miss that idea of community. And I think that's why I love going to college sports events so much as you get that type of feel that, that atmosphere a little bit. Yeah. And one last thing from Hoosiers, um, my favorite scene in the movie is when they make it to the state championship game, he walks his team out onto the court and has them measure how high the basket is. You know, it's 10 yes. feet, 4 oh. inches here. Thank you for bringing this is, up. Same as it is in our town. And it became something like this, how classic a moment it is. It became something that pretty much every coach, high school, college, professional, at whatever level, uses that scene in in some form or fashion or another. You know, like, hey, we here on this field. It's 100 yards, same as the one that we play on in our stadium there's going to be a lot more people here, but the field is the same. So the game uh, is the same and so on and so forth. A lot of sports movies um, are used by coaches as tools to motivate their players. And, you know, they, they all, they always have that one great line that everybody uses and, uh, and things like that. And that's one of those scenes measuring the, the basket. It's 10 feet, same as it is in, in our stadium and even our little tiny gym back home uh, in our, in our crappy school that can only hold 300 people or, or whatever. It's it's my favorite scene in the whole movie. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, you are so right. That that scene. Um, God, that is just great. It's just great story writing right there. And um, not even in sports, but part of it is just kind of in life too. Thinking about you know at the end of the day, um, you know it's the same height. It's the same court. You know, like um, getting getting yourself to just think about sometimes the moment just because the moment feels big doesn't you know as long as you're still doing the same things that you always do that got you to that place whatever it is um nothing changes you know i mean right. the things that we're doing here like um a microphone that you use uh you know to do one thing is the same microphone you know it's the same idea it's still a microphone yeah. that uh somebody else is using down the road so i that is that is a great uh, one. That's actually probably one of the greatest uh, scenes of all time when we talk about sports movies. Sure. As far as just the dialogue goes, it's fantastic. And of course, that that moment took place uh, in Indianapolis at Hinkle Fieldhouse, uh, home of Butler, Butler University. University. So, yeah. good right. stuff. So number eight. Let's try to pick it up a little. <laughs> yeah. Number eight. Days of Thunder. Yeah, Tom wow. Tom Cruise, Robert Duvall, a very young and perky Nicole Kidman um, playing a almost unnecessary character. But, hey, she's there. And, uh, you know, it's it's about NASCAR, uh, mm-hmm. of which I am not a fan. I've uh, mm-hmm. never been a fan uh, of NASCAR. But the, the it was a Bruckheimer uh, movie, 
uh, or a Bruckheimer Simpson movie, I think. That's how old it is. Yeah. And um, Tom Cruise is, you know, coming in, uh, joining a, a NASCAR team and, and struggling to go about and, uh, you know, go through a NASCAR season trying to get a win. He's kind of got this mental block or something like he had an accident or, or what have you and, uh, and whatnot. And it's, uh, it's a fun movie, and I've, I've always enjoyed it. And um, uh, I love Robert Duvall's character. He's his pit boss, and uh, uh, they're back and forth and, uh, and everything. It's, 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 uh, it's, what, 30-something years old now, which makes me feel old as hell. Yeah. But, you know, um, it's always been one of my favorite sports movies. Yeah, no, uh, this is a movie. You know, I am so glad you put this on your list. This is a movie I need to watch. Like, I had seen... I don't think I've, th- you know, I'm, uh, you don't because you're just so good with movies. But the general public, Larry, <laughs> many of us, and maybe you'll come back and tell us, many of us have like those movies that we've said, you know, I've never seen that movie from start to finish, but I've kind of think I've seen the whole movie because I've caught X, Y, and Z along the way. You know, this what movie, is that movie for me. You know what movie falls in that category for me? Here we go. Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it. It's a movie that everybody has seen, and they're floored when I, of all people, have not or can't claim to have seen the whole thing, The Goonies. Ah. It was not one of those movies for me when I was a kid. I've probably seen the whole movie in pieces throughout the course of my life. I could not tell you a thing about that movie because I feel like I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, that's So that's a good one. I feel like that's a movie that makes sense to kind of see in pieces and kind of do the Larry David, "Eh, I get it. I don't really need to see it. I get the whole thing. Yeah, you know, there are kids. There's a bad guy. There's this. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't really think, uh, I I don't feel like I need to tell you you need to see that movie from start to finish. You get it. Right. Um, right. Yeah, so Days of Thunder, I'm going to have to check to see if that's on Prime, if that's on Netflix, but I think I want to make that one of my quarantine movies here. Um, because, movies, hey, yeah. one last thing, you, you know, this is kind of the fun of this podcast or show. We can kind of go off the cuff here. Yeah. Uh, in Chicago, because I did not grow up in Chicago. You did. Now I've lived here for the last 15 years on and off, and you you have a little bit, but not over the last, what do we call it, 10 maybe. 10, yeah. Um, were there Hardys here? Probably like, what am I talking about? No. There no, weren't. No. So so back in when this movie came out, I believe there was a very heavy advertising uh, marketing uh, con- uh, partnership with Days of Thunder and Hardys. So that is like part of my memory of Days of Thunder was like you had to go to Hardys to get like the Days of Thunder cup and, you know, the, <laughs> whatever the hell else they had. But that, I believe, was a tie-in, was Days of Thunder and Hardy. So just a random, weird childhood memory um, I have of that movie. Nice. I mean, I knew of Hardy's because we would go on vacation year in and year out down south in Arkansas, Missouri. You, they had Hardy's down there. So I knew what Hardy's was, but I couldn't find a Hardy's in the Chicagoland area back in 1989 or 90 when Days of Thunder Now that I think about out. it, yeah, now that I think about it, was one of the cars in that movie, did it have Hardy's on the... I car. think his first car did, or at least yeah. or, or the one that he won Daytona with or something yeah. like that. I think uh, Hardy's was the, Hardy's was, car was the skin like on that. one of the cars. So yeah. uh, now I'm kind of in the mood for Hardy's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so good, so bad for you, but damn, it is good in my it opinion. It is good. It can be, absolutely. Okay. Number, number seven, what do you got? All right. Rookie of the year, man. Oh, We're talking boy. about favorite <laughs> movies. I... 
rookie. Oh my god! It's not on. It's not on TV enough. But if it's on, you better believe that movie stays on. So you can probably already tell my excitement over this movie versus some of the other movies. It's like I've gone up another tier here as far <laughs> as like favorite. Doesn't mean it's great. But let's talk about Rookie of the Year for a second. This movie came out in 93. This was right around the time that I was starting to go to movies by myself where my parents dropped me off. And this is one of those first handful of movies I can remember going with friends without parents. So, you know, and that's probably a sidebar discussion. We've probably got a handful of movies like that. So all of those movies kind of I held a special place in my heart to begin with. Yeah. Then we throw in the kid plays for the Chicago Cubs. Right. So, I mean, and then we throw in both of us grew up as Cubs fans. So here I am watching this kid that's basically my age that's playing for the Chicago Cubs, suspending all, you know, uh, disbelief here, of course. Um, How can I not love this movie? (laughs) Um, And then let's not even finish here. This movie is insane when you think about how awesome and fun this is. Gary Busey, all right. He's your he's your uh, the veteran on the team. Right. He's Chet Stedman. He's the guy that's basically he- helping Henry Rowan Gartner, our our uh, the the child hero of this movie, get through all of this. Then you have Daniel Stern, who's just fantastic in this movie, a complete goofball as yeah. well. Um, and then you have John Candy, yes, you know who's doing the broadcasting of this movie. Um, obviously he's not doing Harry Carey, but he's making sure that the Cubs announcer has as much personality as Harry Carey. Yeah. And I think that was what he did try to pull going to that movie was, I can't be Harry Carey because that would just come off as, you know, stupid and like such a cheap way to, to, to insert, you know, uh, Harry in the movie. And just like, it, it'll just make me look like a bit character. And instead I think he took the idea of Harry and ran with it. But, um, so going back to the idea, 13 years old, going to this movie, seeing the Chicago Cubs on the big screen at a movie theater, um, and then this kid who obviously is able to throw heat uh, on the mound. And then not to mention, it was, you know, again, as a kid, it was a kick to see Barry Bonds in the movie, Swing and Miss. Um, I think Howard Johnson for the Mets might have been in the movie with the swing and miss. And I can't remember. There's a couple other baseball players as well that uh, had some um, that had some uh, cameos in there as well. Um, they, they used Wrigley Field. I mean, this this movie, if it probably <laughs> came out just even a little bit earlier, would probably be even higher on my list. But the fact that I was 13, it was... Probably a little bit more. I understand how ridiculous this is, but if this movie came out when I if when I was like seven or eight, like mm-hmm. holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can already tell, like my excitement about this movie is on another level. Um, what's not to love here? Yeah, no, I I I actually in, enjoyed this movie quite a bit uh, as well. Uh, I remember um, in in high school uh, when we first got HBO, this movie was on a oh. loop on HBO, you know, all the time you could catch this movie. So I was always catching it at certain spots and watching here. And, uh, you know, when they play the Mets in the, the championship yes. game at the end and, uh, and his, and his arm all of a sudden is healed and he can't throw fast anymore. And they have to improvise to try to get Love out of the part. inning and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I remember that stuff very well. 
And of course, for us as pathetic Cubs fans, oh yeah, you're right. Watching the Cubs win yes. in a movie was actually pretty awesome uh, at the same time. So even if a f- uh, you know a six year old had to throw fast in order to make it happen, the Cubs are winning the World Series. God damn it! I'm, so I'm sorry, in. you are. Totally right, and and I what a great catch by you. I think that's honestly part of the reason I liked it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but for those of you that are Cubs fans, um, it just even we had a good team in '89 that made the NLCS, but right. there was just something about watching the Cubs winning on the big screen that also made it that much more enjoyable. And I think deep down, that's why I can't turn away from it if it's on TV. <laughs> I know that there are some guaranteed Cubs wins to come up. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I remembered who I was missing. Bobby Bonilla. I mean, these are like players that I either loved or loved to hate growing up, too. Yeah, Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla, Pedro Guerrero. Um, so, like, it just, I don't know. It, it And I think even watching it now, you know the movie's not that good. You know the acting's not that great. No. But, but it just hits all the right feels. It does. It absolutely does. So um, that is my number seven, and I think I just talked it into my number three. But we'll we'll keep it at seven. <laughs> All right, number seven for me, and I know that uh, this comes up a little bit later on in the episode or the um, list for you, but I encapsulate the entire Rocky saga at number seven, except number five because fuck number five. That movie is just—I yeah. mean, even Stallone doesn't acknowledge the existence. Uh, of that movie i mean there's we could do a whole podcast on why that yes. movie is just one of the absolute uh worst but if we I put, do that we'll, we'll bring one of our other friends on but um <laughs> so here's how i think we should do this let's yeah. talk about why you have the rocky saga on there we're not going to reveal which movie i have on my list and we'll talk more about that movie in general but let's just talk about why we love rocky well, dude, I mean, the reason that I put the Rocky Saga is because, like I said, except for five, I could do a hundred different shows and give you a hundred different figurations on how I would rank these movies. And there's yeah. something that, like, if you could take a piece of this one and, and put it together with that one yeah. and glue it over here to this one, you know, there are pieces in every movie that is my favorite of the franchise. There's my favorite of this you know, like my favorite speech would have to be the Rocky Balboa speech. You know, if you if you, it doesn't matter how hard you get hit and me how how you know how many times you get up and keep moving forward or whatever the the speech. Love that speech. Uh, the, one of the best fight scenes, probably Rocky Four, and the best villain, Clubber Lang, and you know the the best overall fight in the whole series, Rocky Two, with you know when when he beats Apollo Creed and you know the just it, it's amazing. And the first one won Best Picture. Back in uh, 76, right. so, I mean, it, it had nowhere to go but down afterwards, and obviously it did with critics over the years, but I love all of these movies except for five because fuck that movie. Yeah, man. I mean, let, just to dive in a little bit more here, the what the Rocky movies did was get me interested in boxing. Sure. I was yeah. like, and now... <laughs> Boxing has a lot to live up to after watching a Rocky fight sequence. So no it took me a little while to be like, okay, but Mike Tyson was so um, dynamic for us growing up that that kind of filled that void a little bit, not from a 12-round crazy fight, but just like, my God, that guy's amazing. Mm-hmm. But the Rocky fights are so well done. Yeah. Yes, they're over the top. Yes, they have a little bit of pro wrestling when you really think about it because nobody ever blocks. They just keep hitting each other. But my God, is it so much fun to watch. 
Like if 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 Stallone had just came out with like random like Rocky fights and not even movies, like all right, we're gonna release uh, Rocky Four on DVD, uh, and, but we're gonna throw in this bonus fight you've never seen before, and he takes on some random actor that you know just some rant plays another random boxer. Sign me up. Yes, Sign me up for so twenty more of those fights. That's the only thing that I look back and go, damn, I wish they had shot like 20 other fights and they could just slowly like once a year. Oh, this is the date uh, that we release a random Rocky fight that we shot 30 years ago. Like, my God, would that be great? Uh, (laughs) But the to me, when you think about all the movies we're going to talk about here and we already have talked about, I don't know if there is a more enjoyable sports scene sports sequence than the rocky movies yeah yeah you know like I mean, you are and, invested man yeah and they're all pretty much by the numbers you know the, there's going to be a montage before the big fight oh, at the end it. there's going to be you know a workout montage or how he overcomes this that or or the other you know like in rocky 2 after you know uh, Adrian stops being a wet blanket and tells him he can go ahead and fight. And I was like, okay, well, let's get after it. And we're chasing the chicken and we're trying to get speed, 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 and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then Rocky Three, of course, he has to win the, the sprint against P- Apollo Creed on the beach, one of the more homoerotic scenes in the entire franchise yeah. <laughs> when they're hugging each other in the water, frolicking around uh, and everything. And then, of course, him climbing the mountain in Rocky Four and screaming Drago at the top of his lungs and then you know in rocky six you know we're like what 20 years removed from like rocky four because five didn't exist apparently and watching him run through philly and he gets to the top of the stairs again and we're dancing around with the dog and uh, all that kind of stuff and then we go to the fight and then of course the fight <laughs> you mentioned it before and i'm glad you did was that if you could do compu stats on a rocky fight you would just like <laughs> why regular fights would be so boring. It's like, oh, we got Tyson versus Holyfield. They landed about 17 to 18 percent of their punches. Apollo Creed versus Rocky Balboa. Apollo Creed landed 91 percent of his punches. Rocky Balboa uh, just a slightly under that at 89 uh, percent of the punches that they threw landed directly on the chin every single fucking time. And it's somehow these two men are still standing after 15 rounds of beating the shit out of each other, uh, you know, over and over again. It was just so great. Oh, yeah, man. Boxing needs more rounds. That's the other thing. You're right. Um, okay. so <laughs> anything else you want to cover on that one or we will come back to it? I think we'll save the fun for your pick later on. Okay, so I think we're on to movie six. number six. So I yes. think we should um, – I'll talk about it, but uh, we're going to let the cat out of the bag. We will see this movie later. So yes. let's let's not get overly into this one to speed this along. My number six, Major League. Love it. Um, Love it. God, what a funny movie, man. <laughs> just just a good movie. I mean, I, here oh, we go. Man. Another story of an underdog team, right? Yeah. But. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to jump to just one thing and then we'll talk about it more later. Um, I just absolutely love Charlie Sheen's character in the movie. Yeah. I I love everything about it. I I love how he comes out the way that he looks. Um, yeah. So, um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that one later. Yeah. This one will come up later as well. My number six pick, uh, any given Sunday. And I know that some of you have just dropped your forks on your plates. You can't. Why would I put any given Sunday at number six? For me, it's that rewatchability factor for me because this is a long movie. 
Yes. Uh, and that kind of hurts it in the factor of rewatchability. It's definitely one of my favorite movies. I loved it instantly when I saw it uh, the first time. Uh, Oliver Stone showed this movie and the world of football warts and all, and I love it anyway. Even yep. though I covet football more than any other sport on the planet, he shows a lot of the ugly side of football in this one, and I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I still enjoy this and still love this movie uh, anyway. Do you want to say something briefly? Because I know this comes up later for you as well. Um, I say we leave it alone for now, and we'll talk okay. more about it down the road here. Number five. Number five, Jerry Maguire. Nice. So Jerry Maguire is probably one of my favorite movies. Um, do I want to go all time? It definitely was one of my favorite movies in high school. There is sure. no doubt in my mind. I was sophomore, junior. And, oh, yeah. Sophomore, junior in uh, high school. Um, Tom Cruise was, you know, he's, he's in all the great movies, right, growing up. So they already had an actor that you kind of bought into, um, especially as a kid. Um and um, big year for uh, Tom Cruise ninety six. Yeah. I mean yeah, coming that was off Mission of Impossible, uh, right? off of Mission Impossible, yeah, yeah. So I mean that and, was his and, summer movie, and this was the uh, December Oscar flick. And by the way, I think I'm one of eleven people on this earth that loved Mission Impossible one. So, so um, did I, bro. I loved so it. Did I. I, you yeah. know, that's another sidebar for another time. But uh, <laughs> so I was kind of in Tom Cruise. I've got a couple of Tom Cruise modes in my life where Tom Cruise was just hitting them way the fuck out of the park, and this sure. was one of the years. He was hitting it way the fuck out of the park for me. So um, obviously, um, this was this was a Cameron Crowe movie. Um, yep. So man, what can you say about this? Um, this movie, um, I love. I love sports agents. I love behind the scenes stuff. I, you know, I think that's part of the reason why uh, Moneyball's in there because I like the idea of the GM stuff. But any of that like sports business piece uh, is something I'm always intrigued by. So. Having Jerry Maguire uh, as a movie that talks about the, the the redemption story of a sports agent is uh, something that uh, I love. Cuba Gooding Jr. was so damn good in this movie yeah. as Rod Tidwell. Rod Tidwell. He was so believable. I don't think we knew how believable he was as a wide receiver because you could plop Rod Tidwell in 2020, and yeah. he fits in perfectly. Yeah. Rod Tidwell would be the guy with the social media account saying all kinds of crazy shit, talking about his agent, talking about his team, talking about his head coach, causing havoc, uh, talking about Quan. Um, yeah. And he'd hashtag that shit. So oh, yeah. uh, Rod Tidwell was, I mean, man, when you think about some some people that really wrap their arms around the character. God damn, did Cuba Gooding Jr. just nail it with this one. Yeah, and he got an Oscar for his trouble. Uh, he did. In, in this one, and he earned it. He was Ocho Cinco before there was an Ocho. Yes. Ocho Cinco. Yes, and you I know, think. He's in Antonio Brown without the mental illness. So, right. You know. Right, right. I mean, he, he was really was kind of foreshadowing uh, what some of these guys would come to be as, as time went on. But um, so, yeah, um, Renee Zellweger is obviously the love interest to Tom Cruise's. Um, the, 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 again, I, I would say the I was really invested when they would show the sports scenes in this movie as well. Um, golly, if you really do think about this movie now. Um, we, we just talked about how Cuba Gooding Jr. almost represents 
you know, wide receivers of the future. He wouldn't even know at this time. But then to also kind of throw in the concussion thing back in 96 yeah. a little bit was even yeah. uh, a little interesting. And now probably would either hit home more in 2020 or would almost be a roll of the eyes in 2020 because it's a, well, of course you went that angle. But in 96, People really weren't talking about that as much on the main the mainstream. So to yeah. kind of have that be a moment in the movie of if he's okay, he's been knocked out, and kind of show a little bit of the. I mean, Troy Aikman was kind of going through this during that time, but it, it's. Mm. Um, I, I I love the movie. The kid is fantastic in that movie. If you couldn't uh, enjoy the kid in that movie, I don't know what kind of human being you are. <laughs> you have no uh, soul. Yeah, right. Uh, the the what was it? The the human head weighs eight pounds. Eight I mean, pounds. that's just great shit. Yeah. Um, I love this movie. I love the interaction between Jerry Maguire, or Tom Cruise, and Cuba Gooding throughout the movie. There are so many scenes in the movie that are classic. Of course, the the one that gets overused is the "You had me at hello," yeah. but just Jerry and and Cuba on the phone talking to each other. I mean, and then um, again, I I get a big kick. I think again, it, part of it's just like the age uh, of as you're growing up here, but I got a big kick out of seeing real real athletes in the movie as well. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I, I like the. Um when they work the uh, the lobby in the hotel yes, the night before the draft. How great is he's, that? How great is that? He's introducing Rod Tidwell to all of these different plays. He's really pumping up his one client that he has. And, of course, it comes to, at his uh, detriment because while he's working the lobby with his uh, client, the number one overall pick signs with his rival uh, agent while he was uh, – while he was down there. So while he's over there and he's blowing up Rod Tidwell, really getting his name out there because Rod's going to be a free agent, so he's got money to be made uh, coming up, thinking he's got the number one pick in his back pocket, only to find out the hard way that he doesn't. I mean, just, you know, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, just like that, was so great. Yeah, and that, uh, Jay Moore was the the rival agent, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. he played a good, he played a good asshole in that movie. He did. <laughs> um, he's like, do you remember that skank you banged and you know it's like do you know what her name is he's like no her name was april because it's my job to know the name of the skanks you bang on the road it's yeah. all about you it's not about me i do this for you that was part of his pitch it was so great unbelievable that you i mean you're really good with that stuff remembering yeah. those lines that it was a great great moment but uh yeah, I mean, and, and you did. You had the media stars come out as well. You had Roy Firestone at the end, which was, again, that's at the end of the movie, and I love that scene. I love yeah. that scene when Cuba, doesn't he say something like, you probably know the line, so I'm going to let you do it. You know what I'm talking about? He's like, I love Don't everybody. do this to me. Yeah, don't you do this. I'm not going to cry, Roy. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. And what I find hilarious, something that has not aged well at all, yeah. is that what he sheared his pants over was a four-year contract yes. for $11.2 million. It's like we've got receivers in the league that wouldn't even piss on that contract. we got receivers uh, in the league that don't want to sn sniff a million, $11 million for one year. Yeah, let alone over four. And they just like, you know, he loses. He just t t absolutely takes his breath away. His wife is watching him on her. She almost faints on her family members. Uh, over $11.2 million guaranteed so back funny. in 1996. So, so funny. Yeah, so yeah. good. I bet, uh, I bet Rod Tidwell wish he had a lot more money in 2020. That, that deal <laughs> kind of sucks.
That was yeah. probably his, that was his big money deal. He probably didn't that get was, a bigger one after that. No kidding. Uh, Al Michaels, Deardorff, uh, Gifford, obviously, Mel Kiper, yeah. Drew Rosenhaus was yeah. in that movie. Um, kind of awkwardly at the end. But yeah, yeah, he was in there. I think Troy Aikman was in that movie. Drew yeah. Bledsoe, I remember being in that movie. Yeah, Kajana um, Carter made an appearance. Yes, he was right. one of the clients that was dropping Jerry as an agent after right. that whole thing. God. Kijana Carter had no room to drop anybody. Nope. Uh, <laughs> Wayne Fonts randomly, um, just a lot of, just a, just a lot of people in there, and uh, fun movie um, for me. And that's one of those movies that can be on in the background, and and I don't have, you know, I, I'm fine, I'm good, yeah. I can pop in and see ten minutes and love it. Right. And here's one for me. My number five, Tin Cup, another Kevin Costner uh, movie, cracking the top ten uh, for me. I've always just been a huge fan of this one. I saw this one at the theater when it came back, came out back in, I want to say ninety seven, something somewhere around there. Sounds about right. And uh, you know, uh, it's it's uh, Kevin Costner, Rene Russo, Cheech Marin, who's always been. I was always a huge Cheech and Chong fan when I was a kid. So seeing him in a non Cheech and Chong role was was interesting uh, for me. Don Johnson Don, being the yes. being the asshole rival Dude, uh, in the God. whole thing. He, he was, was great, perfect in right? that role. So great uh, in that role. And then Kevin Costner, this kind of like, you know, loser to, you know, make seven bucks an hour as a, uh, you know, uh, a golf attendant at a, at a shooting ra- or driving range uh, and whatnot. And his whole life is, is this little community of friends that he has that follows him everywhere. They're this cheering party and they're always there for him and all. So there's always kind of fun to watch them together. And then he's like, he's like one of the best golfers that never was. And that was kind of the yeah. thing. Like he never reached his potential or even really tried uh, to achieve it. But here comes Rene Russo, who's going to be the love of his life kind of thing. And all of a sudden he wants to turn his life around so that he can impress this woman. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one of you're gonna this is one of those movies I'd never have watched from start to finish. Really? Wow. <laughs> I just I, I don't know why. It it, it uh, I didn't see it when it came out for whatever reason. Um and it's been on TV a lot and I've just never watched it from the start. And then it never I never I think that's kind of what happens. So you have those movies that you'll run into on TV, right? Like, oh shit, this is on TNT. I'll watch a second half of this movie. But after doing that three or four times, you never hop on the couch, pull up Netflix, Amazon Prime or whatever, go, you know what? I'm going to watch Tin Cup tonight from start to finish. Like, because it seems like a waste of two hours because you feel like you've seen enough. So um, now, you know, everything that I've seen on it, I love, I love, I, I, Don Johnson is just great in that movie, in my opinion. Um, Yeah. And and, uh, Kevin Costner, man. I mean, I think we can probably just milk into my movie here for number five, but I kind of think that Kevin Costner probably has to go down as the current goat of yeah. uh, sports movies, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's whether got one for just about every sport, you know. I, and I'm, I think I can let the cat out of the bag out of this one. Neither one of us have the movie Field of Dreams on our list. Is no. am I right? No, that falls more into best category than favorite for me. Yes, I I love Field of Dreams as a movie. I don't really consider it much of a sports movie. 
not at all. That's no. where I'm at. And you and I had a conversation going into this show, and we kind of talked about making it more sports-centric. And I just couldn't bring myself around to say this was a sports movie. So, um, yeah. But when you know the general public thinks about it, they're going to throw that in there. And so, I mean, Costner just has an impressive list, back to your point, of either best sports movies or just fun. And that's what Tin Cup was. Yeah. Um, now, which leads into my movie. Um, I think there's enough of a sports-centric movie here because we do go along through the season uh, a bit um, throughout this movie. My number four, um, and it probably on my list, is probably when you add favorite sports movie and then you think about best sports movie, it probably catapults itself into like number one or number two, three overall of the sports ways to rank things. And that's got to be Bull Durham. Yeah. Um, Bull Durham is just such a great movie from the acting with Costner, Sarandon and Robbins. um, And then the story and then the characters. Um, Kevin Costner is Crash Davis, basically a lifelong minor league baseball player. Um, who's always wanted the chance to get to the, you know, to, to get to the big show, um, you know, and we'll see how's how that develops throughout the movie. But Nuke Lelouch is uh, played by Tim Robbins, goofy as fuck, uh, but has all just oozing with talent as a pitcher. And it's Crash's job to take Nuke under his wing to really teach him how to use his skill set um, at the professional level and kind of keep his head clean. And along the way is uh, Susan Sarandon, um, which I guess is kind of, uh, and there's probably a term for it, but baseball's term of either a roadie or, as they say in the pro wrestling business, a ring rat. She's the one kind of hanging around these baseball players and, and uh, you know, kind of finding which one she's going to date next. And um, she's uh, she's kind of the one that maybe is known for uh, bringing players' performances up or or maybe even down as we watch the movie based on who she's with. So um, I love the inner... I think the acting maybe outperforms everything in this movie versus even the story. The, the, just the acting between Costner and Sarandon and then Costner and Robbins and Robbins and Sarandon is... Is just so good. It's just a delight to watch all three of them on the screen and interact. Absolutely, and and you know the relationship and how Susan Sarandon is has decided who she's going to be with. Yes, this season, and she kind of settles for Robbins because she wants Crash, and then there's kind of this thing between the two of them all season long that kind of culminates at the end. And but it's something real between the two of them, not just this season long bang fest. Right. So um, I just think it's such a well-done movie. I love it. Favorite scene in the whole movie when they're on the mound discussing wedding presents for the upcoming uh, nuptial for one of the players. Like, this is what we took a timeout on the mound for, which kind of brings the question, is that what they really talk about when they go out there to the mound? Like, sometimes are they just, you know, shooting the shit, you know, saving some time, letting the guy in the bullpen throw a few extra pitches before they call him out kind of thing? Yeah, no that 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 was uh, that was definitely a fun part of the movie as well. Uh, you know, one of my favorite scenes, and I don't know if it's so much a th- scene as it is an idea, is when Crash Davis is uh, basically like, uh, you know what, guys, we really could use a rainout, and uh, they flood the field. 
Um, and they have a good time slipping and sliding along the field at night uh, when nobody can see, obviously, so the field's too wet to play the next day. I just thought that was just a really cool moment in the movie. Nice. Nice. All right, so my number four, Cinderella Man. Great um, movie. Absolutely great movie. Very underrated, yeah. uh, in my opinion. I think it came out in the wrong time of yes. year. so that's what I was going to tell you. I, I don't think it's so much as underrated as I think it got lost in the shuffle so it, it would be in mine uh my honorable mentions it's a fantastic movie that somehow got overshadowed by something and it came out in the summer is was what happened and this was probably more of a fall late type of year and not so much as oscar bait but it's just like that seems to be the time of year when these more like serious type movies come out the summer movies are yeah. more about having fun the bang bang the blow them up and the comedy you know, action like film, the comedies yes. absolutely that's what it's all about the big blockbuster actions or the goofy ass comedies and cinderella man yeah that's not a good time you're right yeah, cinderella man's neither of those things it's definitely it's a feel-good story it's a true story uh, based on uh, on on a real man uh, james j braddock who you know was an up-and-coming yep. fighter uh, fell on hard times. It was during the Depression back in the 1930s and, and all that kind of stuff. And him having this, you know, one-of-a-kind, you know, phoenix rising from the ashes kind of thing where he, he it all starts with him, you know, he's, his wife wants him to retire because he's done nothing but hurt himself in the last couple of years of his career. He's one of those people that's desperate for work he goes to the dock every morning and prays that the dock supervisor picks him so he can work for the day and feed his family uh, and things like that he gets a, a you know an on the lark kind of fight against this up-and-coming contender who's supposed to wipe the floor with him and he goes out and he bashes the guy's brains in for three rounds and he wins and that kind of catapults him onto this journey that led him to winning the heavyweight championship at the end of the movie it's an amazing amazing story yeah, amazing story, and uh, again, the acting's fantastic in that movie as well. Um, but you're right; it it, it just you you want to know part of the problem with this movie. I just it just uh, hit me here. What's that? <sighs> A week after this movie came out, Batman Begins. Oh, so boy, if you did not catch this movie opening weekend, you didn't at all. You you. And it's not even because you didn't want to. You forgot that movie existed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there are other movies that came out at that time. But that is all I can think about was Batman Begins in June. It, it came out. Um, that one was that was the big one. And yeah. That's, yeah so, yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, favorite performance in the whole movie is Paul Giamatti as his manager yeah. slash <clears throat> Uh, trainer, I mm -hmm. think he actually was nominated for best supporting actor uh, for it, and, and rightly so. He was uh, he was amazing uh, in that movie, the, the fast talking, uh, you know, uh, no nonsense uh, manager guy. I, I loved him in that movie. Giamatti is so good in supporting roles. Yeah, he's got. He's it. also yeah. kick ass in Billions. Do you watch that show? I don't. I need to. Oh, There's dude. so many things I need to watch. Oh, dude. Well, you're <laughs> quarantined. You got all the time in the world now. Yeah. So. Put that on your list for sure. Billions. Outstanding show on Showtime. Showtime. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So, okay. Number three. Number three. Rocky Four. Ah, there okay. it is. Rocky Definitely Four. Not the best Rocky, but man, it is the most fun Rocky for <laughs> me. Um 
I love this movie. I love everything about it. Part of it is, is Rocky's been very established after three movies now, and you just want to see him fight again. And here we go. He's going against Dolph Lundgren, who, I mean, let's be, he's just an absolute Adonis in this movie. Like, he, <laughs> like if you could construct a human being yeah. in any more perfect physical specimen way, it would be Drago. Like, yeah. he just looks impossible to beat. Um, just, I mean, they both look great in this movie as far as the shape they got into. Yeah. But um, just to... They just to go with the USA versus um, Russia storyline. That's the first piece, and then the other piece we see uh, he he kills he he kills Apollo in the ring at the beginning, and um, so we get two fights, and one is Apollo going down. So um, I just the montage in this movie is fantastic. I know in all the movies they're fantastic, but for me, if there's one boxing match. Uh, one fictional boxing match that I want to watch over and over again, it's this one. Yeah. And it's not even close for me. Yeah. But it's, it's so great. And you mentioned the training montage. There are like five music videos in this movie. (laughs) You know, when he gets done arguing with Adrian, he goes off on a drive and it's, it's a music video of Apollo getting knocked out, him falling down, you know, Ivan Drago is mean and menacing and he's wet and sweaty for some reason uh, and all that kind of stuff. There's just like three or four uh, at least legit like music videos that were just put in to this movie. And you know what? I love all of them. Yes. I love them all. It's 80s, um, oh. you know, indulgence at its best, you know, and the whole like USA versus Russia thing right at the height of that whole thing with Reagan and Gorbachev back in the mid 80s and and everything and like you said you know drago was just uh you know a mountain of a man who was a legit foot taller than yeah. stallone and you know there's no way you're gonna beat this guy he just beat apollo creed to death literally yeah. to death in like two rounds and apollo creed was a bigger more menacing figure than rocky balboa yeah is. right how is he going to survive this not only does he survive he goes the distance and knocks him out uh, at the end of it, turns a hostile Russian crowd into a girl fest at the end of it. Yeah. It's like he's the member of a boy band and all of his fans are holding him on their shoulders at the end. It's... Literally, the, the only part of the movie I don't like is that speech at the end. Oh, about, I love about, it's like speech. I'm not a fan of it. It's just it's how it's can you just, not like it? It's a little too corny, a little too oh. cheesy for me there at the end. It's like I'm cool after after the knockout, after they put the, the flag over his shoulders and they yeah. put him up there uh, and everything, it's like, I'm good. We can stop there because I can do without the speech. Oh, dude, no, I, I love the speech. Uh, I mean, if you're already going to do the flag draping and the Russian fans turn and like him, screw it. Just embrace the whole <laughs> damn cheesy corniness of it all. It is cheesy. It is corny. But God damn it, I love everything about how cheesy that is at the end. <laughs> ah, I guess what I'm trying to say is that if I can change and you can change, everybody can change. I love it. I love it. Can't believe you said that because I was going to say out of all the Rocky movies, I feel like this one could potentially be the most quotable for for all, out of all of them. I mean, sure. back to what you said about the Apollo thing when he goes down. I mean, Dra- Drago's money, man. 
if he dies, if he dies, he, he dies. dies. Um, and then everybody uses this. This is like a meme. Sometimes it's like, I must break you. I mean, it's just so good. Um, I, I, I can't get enough of it to me. This also epitomizes the watchability factor. Like if we're doing uh, rate 10 out of 10 on watchability, this thing's got like a 20 fucking seven, like, (laughs) like that can be on 24 seven in one of the rooms in my place. And I will just pop in and be like, oh, that was that was well worth five minutes. And of you watching. know what does it? What makes it so easy to sit through is those videos, those music videos that we just to get yeah. from this point uh, to that one, you know, to watch him that montage of him working out versus Drago working out or him driving around in the car while he's yeah. um, you know, yes, deeply thinking about stuff yes, and, yes. you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just that that makes it easier to get through from this point to that one. I mean, talk about filler, yeah. but it doesn't matter because it's great anyway. I love it. it. It just embraces what it is. And then, Larry, I think this in this movie, don't we get him thinking back to the montage of the beach scene, right? <laughs> that took place in another movie, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so we brought it yes. back for just a hot second. Um, I just thought of something while you were talking out of all. So again, we got, you know, Rocky quote at the end, we've got Drago with quotes. And then maybe my favorite quote in the whole movie is when, uh, Rocky's fighting Drago and he goes, I see three of them out there. And Paulie goes, hit the, hit one, the one in, the, one middle. in the middle. Yes. <laughs> Great line for Paulie. Um, I, I love this movie, man. I can't get enough of it. It, uh, it, it will always be on in my household if I if I come across it. So, well, um, I own the box set. I got all six of them. Yeah, I bought, I bought the the Rocky uh, box set on Blu-ray way back in the day, I'd, and I, I burned a hole in those DVDs watching them left and right, dude. It's I I can't get enough uh, of those movies except five. Fuck number five. Yeah, so, I, I think we've mentioned that a term. I think uh, I've too. covered everything I need to for four. I mean, I I just again, you can generally hear my happiness talking about it. <laughs> Uh, my number three we discussed already, uh, Moneyball. So I don't think we can say anything more that needs to be said uh, about that one. Number two, Simmons. Oh, boy. We talk about quotable movies. Uh, my number two, Happy Gilmore. Nice. Oh, my God. I, where do you even begin with that movie, right? I mean, <laughs> that is one of the most quotable. I mean, again, you know, part of it is we show our age here, but like this is this is high school, college, like Happy Gilmore. This is, um, I mean, I, you know, there's there's five quotes that come to mind right now, but I I love the quote, "You're gonna die, clown." I love that quote. <laughs> like that quote probably doesn't make a top five in that movie. And Are these that, nets regulation or what? Yes, exactly. Um, of course, I mean. Adam Sandler, probably for me, the peak of his run in comedy movies, and he starts to go down the mountain after this movie for me. Um, This was the absolute best movie for me for Adam Sandler. Um, Obviously, you've got Bob Barker with The Price is Wrong, bitch. Um, (laughs) The movie is so good, but to me... Out of everything in this movie, and I mean, this is another one. Watch any time. Laugh every time. Um, Shooter McGavin, to me, is the star of this movie. (laughs) He still is resting on that performance even now, 24, 25 years later. He's Shooter McGavin, and he doesn't care. Man. He knows that that, that that's where his bread is buttered as far as he's Shooter McGavin. Everyone knows him to be. 
Shooter McGavin. He was so great uh, in that movie. You know, I was like, I loved it when when the ball, the beach ball, came onto the onto the green, and he gets so pissed and he's swinging it around. God damn you, people! This is golf. Go back you to know? your shanties. <laughs> and he, he makes the putt, and he's like, "Yeah, ooh," you know, and he's just so uh, freaking out, so great. Oh, uh, like you know? this. I'm genuinely happy talking about this right now. Like, this is the movie I, I coming off this podcast. I want to pop in uh, and watch. Um, <laughs> obviously, I pe- I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. Yes. You eat pieces of shit, <laughs> shit for, for I mean, breakfast. Yeah. No. Yeah, and I then, love it. And his yeah, and like his mannerisms. Like he is so damn good in this movie. It is unbelievable. Um, you know, I was just thinking about like the more obscure quotes in this movie. One of my favorite ones, and I can't remember what happened that made Happy do this, but at some point, Happy Gilmore had to admit he was wrong. And he goes to talk to Chubbs and he goes, I'm stupid. You're smart. I was wrong. You were right. And he like goes on and I was like, you're very good looking. I'm not attractive. Like, I just <laughs> love that scene. Um, but, uh, you know, God, I mean, just so many. I mean, I just think about even people that weren't even born when this movie came out that yeah. quote this movie, just people being stupid, just tap it in. Uh, it's all in the hips. I mean, it's just this movie um, is probably one of the most quotable movies, or at least most quotable sports movies of all time. Yeah, and talk about Rocky. Carl Weathers is Chubbs. There we go. Uh, Carl Weathers one. might have to be in that uh, Hall of Fame he wing. He just might, dude. He just might. Four Rocky movies and Happy Gilmore. He's yeah. way up there. And, and way you, up know, there. you know what else I'll say about this movie? I, I, I love the sports sequences in this movie. I yeah. thought they did a good job of going through the tournament of the back and forth with the shots and the putting. And you kind of, you kind of got invested in who is going to win and, and who, you know, what was happening. Um, and then, you know, I think part of what made that so good, Vern Lundquist yeah. underrated hero in that movie, Vern yeah. Lundquist, the way, the way that he still remained being Vern, but then at the same time being kind of silly and sarcastic at moments as well. Like I, Lundquist did a great job of playing himself for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I love it. And for me, the real tragedy of this movie for me was that I didn't see it until it came out on home video. And back in the in the mid to late 90s when this movie came out, that meant the movie came out like, what, year six months earlier, to right? a year? Yeah, right. Yeah, came out like six months to a year after it actually came out. But, yeah. of course, this was... I mean, the the internet was just starting to kind of take off at this yeah. point, but it's it wasn't everywhere like it would be now, where it comes out on video six weeks after it's in theaters, uh, uh, kind of thing. So it's like I had to wait almost a full year to see this movie, and I almost pissed myself watching it at home video uh, the first time. Like when <laughs> when he's in the background and they're bleeping out all of his swearing because he missed a putt, while Julie, a very young Julie Bowen is trying to convince the PGA not to throw him off the tour and it's like beep beep kiss my beep 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 ball you go back and it's your home don't you want to go into your home don't you want to go to your home so great so great oh man so um i just you know i a couple things on this one saw it in the theater absolutely loved it second bought the vhs day one nice and then third 
I burned this VHS till I don't think it worked anymore. So there were two movies that did that for me that were comedies. And it was Happy Gilmore and it was Liar Liar. And these nice. movies were on repeat in my bedroom um, with my VCR. Uh, you also mentioned, I want to throw one more thing out. Uh, you mentioned this being that movie that you didn't see in the theaters that everybody else kind of grabbed a hold of and you're like, shit, I wish I had seen this earlier. Yeah. I don't think as many people saw this in the theaters, but it was one of those VHS holy shit discoveries and that's what happened to me with Office Space. Oh, wow. You know, I saw that I was, on VHS. Like, I'm just I the like, opposite. I damn. saw Office Space day one. I was in on Office Space from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, nice. Before we move on, we would be remiss because I, for me, this was my introduction to this actor. Ben Stiller was phenomenal in this movie, and he was in it for probably less than five minutes of actual screen time. Yeah. Five minutes so might great even be as too much. The, uh, um, as the orderly in the, in the nursing home for his grandmother. Okay, so we got to bring up his quotes because they're funny, too. Um, when the old lady, she's knitting, she goes, my fingers hurt. And he goes, oh, well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled landscaping duty. <laughs> Anybody else's fingers hurt? Yeah, right. And then, of course, everybody's favorite line of, you could trouble me for a warm glass of shut the hell up. Um, <laughs> he was so good in this movie as well. I love this movie. I can't say enough good things about it. Everybody's great in the movie. Um, yeah, I, I got nothing else to add to it. The the only, you know what? I will say there's one thing that I think was a miss for some people in this okay. movie. And, uh, and that's one of two things. Either the PGA didn't wrap their arms around this movie right. or the, the Players Association didn't wrap their arms around this movie. I think this was a missed opportunity for a couple of golfers to be a part of this movie. Not yeah. to have major roles, but kind of like, again, with um, Jerry Maguire being there for a split second, you know? Maybe yeah. there's a Phil Mickelson walking through or a Fred Couples or whoever. You know, what happened was it ended up being Lee Trevino, who was on the senior tour by then, and Lee Trevino's, on, you know, again, another part of the movie. God, we could go on and on about this movie. But you didn't. <laughs> I think there was a missed opportunity for a current PGA player to come out of this and be a potential star. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then the last thing I want to mention before I move on to my number two. So hard to move on from that. Is the, um, the callback to the lady that kept getting in Happy's <laughs> way. Yes. She attacks his car in the beginning. <laughs> and he's, he, he pours food on the windshield. He's like, here, eat this. Leave us alone. You know, and then he drops a, drops a, uh, what was it? An air conditioner on her later. Yes. She just. Keeps getting in the wood, just randomly just murdering this woman over and over again. This so is, great. Yes, this is the Adam Sandler I loved. I yeah. That's kind of how I will end it with that on this movie. All right. Number two for me, A League of Their Own. Great movie. Great sports movie as well. Yeah, and it's it's one of those. It's it's always been a rewatchable. Uh, for me, I, you know, I can always kind of, like you said, it could be on in the background. I catch on to it, um, later, you know, about women's baseball and world war two America and, you know, starting a women's baseball league because all of the men baseball players had to enlist and go and fight, uh, world war two uh, and everything like that. So just trying to keep baseball relevant and out in, on the forefront in America back in the forties before the NFL really took hold. And, 
um, you know, the story of these women and, and how they just, you know, went from tryouts to all of a sudden having this league to building a fan base to to being a relevant sports entity for a time there in the 40s and early 50s. Yeah, and uh, obviously another some good quotes in there as well with Tom Hanks and the crying oh in baseball scene. This was the movie that kind of catapulted him into the mainstream stratosphere because Tom Hanks was a big star. He had been in big, uh, you know, he'd been in movies like The Burbs and and uh, uh, Bachelor Party and and things like that. But this was the the one that really kind of put him over the top because you see the movies that he's in after A League of Their Own really just kind of. You know, they're on another level from what he was doing before that. Yeah. You know, now that you got me thinking about this, if um, and maybe you did a little research on this, but I'm starting to think about it. Had he really done any movie before this movie that he one did well in and people would say he was good in that um, that had been a more of a drama movie? Let me see. I'm pulling up his IMDb right now. God, that that goes on for a long time, by the way. Yeah. In case you didn't know. <laughs> okay. So the movies. Okay. Yeah, we go back quite a while. So let's. When does let's, movie come out? Ninety-two. Ninety-two-ish. All yeah. Right. So ninety-two. So, before that, I mean, it was. It really was all comedies. Yeah. Um, we had Splash. Yeah. Joe versus Party. the volcano. Yeah, Joe versus the volcano. Turner the, and Hooch. That was. A, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, that one's awesome. Um, the Money Pit. Yeah, Dragnet, Dragnet. was a comedy. Yeah, that one. So he sucked, was, was a you know. comedy actor. Yeah. And if there's any that aren't comedies that we're looking at, they weren't big at all. The like Lee, Bonfire a, of the Vanities. That yeah. was one of the big ones that was supposed to be a big movie, and it just didn't it happen. Didn't. It didn't happen. But and it's so, like, here comes League of Your Own in 92. Yeah. The next movie he does, Sleepless in Seattle. Rom-com, yeah. 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 Philadelphia. And then Forrest we, Gump. You're right. Apollo 13, Toy Story, That Thing You Do. I mean, it's just a League it's of all the home Rome runs after that. was the window to getting him into more drama movies. Yeah. It really was. That's a hell of a point by you. Um, so back to this movie. Um, he's obviously great in it. Gina Davis is really good in this movie. And yeah. I, I, again, you're the movie expert here, but I feel like this was this was one of those time periods where Gina Davis might have been hitting a couple of home runs. I feel like I remember seeing her in a few movies around this time period where she was... Um, you know, making some good money. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell was good in this movie. Madonna, um, Madonna was in this movie. Um, just really well acted, really well told story in this movie. Um, and, and you know, I just I, I love the um, I, I love the chemistry between. Um, I can't think of the pitcher, uh, Gina Davis's character and, and the pitcher who, yeah, who, she would go on to be the better player, right? Yeah, Kit. Her well, sister. not even necessarily the better player. She would go on to commit herself to continuing her career um, where Gina Davis's character would, would kind of would leave the sport, correct? Yeah, after the one season she never yeah. played again. Right. Yeah, so, but it's, so like you said, so many great, uh, you know, a lot of great movies or great scenes in the movie and it's every time i think about a quote it's tom hanks that's saying it right you know there's no crying in baseball i mean that's <clears> that's <throat> got to be in i think it was in the like the afi top 100 lines of all time mm -hmm. uh kind of thing also one of the great lines that he has that you'd probably hear uh you know, from coaches regurgitate from time to time is that of course it's hard 
The hard is what makes it great. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Right. You oh, know? God. And that's got to be something that every coach has said in some form or fashion throughout his uh, career. It's like the hard work is what makes the what's what makes it worth it, the winning and the losing. And, you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And not everyone does it because it's just us here, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, you know, he had a lot of great lines uh, in, in that one. And uh, like you said, the chemistry with the with the women and and. Uh, and the different characters and everything. It was uh, one of my favorites. And I, I saw it, this movie came out the summer before I started high school. And I, so I saw it in Los Angeles, of all places, with my mom uh, and my sister. It was one of the last movies I saw before I had to come back early for my first football camp. So it's one of those things that just kind of sticks out. It's a sentimental attachment to it as well. Yeah, so a couple of things on this movie. It came out when I was 12. Um, yeah. I think this was a rental for me. Um, if you think about it, 1992, you're going to do a movie about so oh, well, not softball, actually professional baseball for women. Yep. Um, it's got a, you know, it's obviously got some funny parts comedy, but it, it, at the end of the day, it's, it's really a drama movie, right? Uh, or a dramedy maybe is a better way to put it. Yeah. But it, be it, way, yeah. it, it stars Tom Hanks or it really stars Gina Davis and Tom Hanks. Um, and then you throw in Madonna, and it's a movie about women playing professional baseball. Got to tell you, man, I don't know if everybody in the studio had to think they had a winner on their hands here. Yeah. I mean, it, it to me, this movie really, um, and, and director Penny Marshall, I think it would be, um, that's something we need to mention as well, um, really has done a lot of great movies over the years. But I think this thing broke through a few barriers, to be honest. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, being a 12-year-old boy, I remember my parents renting this and be like, I don't really want to watch a movie about women playing professional baseball. I I'll be honest. That was kind of my thought. Like, eh, this movie's going to be lame. And yeah. like, I knew it wasn't going to be a comedy either. So I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want to sit through this. Quite honestly, by the end of the movie, I was like emotional. It was one of those movies where you're like fighting to cry yeah. <laughs> at some point. And I was like, oh <laughs> shit, what happened to me here? Yeah. Um, I, um, I feel bad that it didn't make my list. It probably should have. It had been on my list a couple of times. And I think it's because I haven't, seen it in a long time so um I, I can't even really rate it as watchability when i just haven't come across it it's such a well-done movie it's something i need to revisit i'm so glad you brought it up and um yeah I, I think it's one of the probably one of the best movies from the 90s sure yeah it would definitely make the list for for me so number one well, well, let's do uh, let's do a couple things here, right? Yeah, let's we got our, honorable mentions before we, we got get to honorable that. mentions, and then if you're okay with it, I mean, we're already going long, so the whole thing's oh, shot anyway. Yeah, um, I would love to just run through a couple of movies. So, so to, to give you some background, everybody, I'm the guy that really hasn't been watching movies over the last ten to fifteen years as well as he used to before he got out of college. I used to see every damn movie when it came out. And right. then something happened to me in the last 10 to 15 years. So I am going to rapid fire Larry with some movies that did not make our list that I've never seen. And then I want Larry to tell okay. us, should we spend our time watching this while we're all locked up in our houses? I'm intrigued. Let's you like it. that? I threw yeah. him a curveball. He did not know that was coming. Let's do, uh, let's do the um, uh, honorable mentions first. Okay. So well, I, go ahead. I got a Brian song. You know, Gail yeah. Sayers, the Brian Piccolo it. story. Got to have that one uh, in there. Uh, one that I'm surprised didn't make your list because you're more of a baseball guy than I am. The Sandlot. I'm so glad you brought this up. Very surprised it didn't make your list. I thought for sure that would be in your top five. 
I'm about to piss off at least half your audience. Okay. <laughs> Hot take time. Here we go. I don't like that movie. What? I do not like the Sandlot. Wow. I think it's stupid. I, I think it. I'm bored with it. I think the premise of it's stupid. I know it's about boys growing up in the summer and that shit. The whole baseball thing and the dog, I, I think the whole damn thing's dumb. Oh, I the, just, the dog, that's my least favorite part of the whole I thing. I just, just didn't. Just sidetrack en- with the dog. Yeah, I just didn't enjoy the movie. I don't know why. I, I'm one of these people that I, yeah, if the Sandlot's on, not interested next. Nice. <laughs> uh, Rudy. Yeah, Rudy's on my honorable mentions as well. Um, you know, that's a movie I haven't seen since I watched it the first time. I've never watched it a second wow. time. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah, no, I've seen that one uh, a bunch of times, and it's it's not as sports centric. That's why I didn't make my list. It's more about Rudy himself, and you know, being underestimated and being told over and over he can't do it, even by the people closest to him, and you know, defying the odds and and all that kind of stuff. Football was just kind of like a a plot device, if anything, to uh, you know, for him to try to prove himself. Uh, to to everyone he knew. Yep. So uh, miracle. Yeah. Never hockey seen team. It. Never seen it. What the uh, fuck, Simmons? I've never made time. How embarrassing! Oh, dear it. God, so it's man. on my list. I've been yeah. wanting. I've been wanting to see that movie since it came out. And I just haven't gotten to it. <laughs> All right. It probably uh, makes my list after I've seen it. That's the I, sad part. I would. I would wager for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the natural. It's on my net, uh, my honorable mentions. Yep. Yeah, Robert Redford. Yeah, great. Can story. I just tell you a quick story in that movie? Yeah, go uh, ahead. Very quick. Um, in high school, um, I had to do a book report on this movie with uh, with a friend of mine, and um, for those of you that have never read the book, he actually doesn't hit that home run at the end. Wow. Um, so I read the book, and then I proceeded to show that clip. <laughs> For the book report, um, but explained why this actually worked and what it represented for his character. This wasn't a me not reading the book and getting caught. I actually did have a uh, a preface of, hey, everybody, I know this didn't happen in the book, but here's why I'm showing it moment. Yeah. Um, because I was just looking for the blockbuster m- a scene of the movie and not bore people with dialogue. But uh, yeah, uh, I own the book and... Uh, I guess I broke it for you, but uh, he actually strikes out at the end. <laughs> he strikes out. In the book, yeah. That sucks. Yeah. All right, a couple more. Uh, the Wrestler, outstanding movie. Yep, on my uh, list. Yeah, Mickey Rourke's supposedly comeback, but it was kind of a one and done uh, yeah, thing for weird. him. Yeah. Uh, Necessary Roughness. Yes, on my list. Uh, uh, a, a, a movie that has aged horribly. Horribly. That's why it years. didn't make my top Holy 10. shit. Is this movie aged so badly? I can put the, the blinders on for things like Rookie of the Year. This movie, I just can't. It's oh. just kind of bad. Yeah, it went from being pretty <laughs> awesome the first time I saw it to be almost embarrassing now. It's oof, It's more of but a nostalgia now, pick for me. Larry, now. if it's on in the background, I'm maybe okay. Yeah. I, but yeah. I'm not sitting down and watching it. Yeah, the the scene in the locker room during the big Texas State mm-hmm. game where the coach snaps and nearly beats the shit out of everyone in the locker room, that scene has aged beautifully over yeah. the years. Yes, yes, yes. Everything else around it is That's embarrassing. Okay. It yep. is so bad. Agreed. Um, and Rounders is another favorite of mine. Uh, yeah, sneaking into poker. I like that. Yeah. 
And then last but not least, uh, Mystery Alaska. Great movie. Love that one. Great so, movie. You know, yeah. Russell Crowe is starting to get named a couple of times here. Yeah. Russell so. Crowe, Cinderella Man, Mystery yeah. Alaska. Yeah. Um, all right. So, again, and there's probably 20 other movies. You, I mean, there's many more that you like, but these were just some of the honorable mentions that came to the top of your head here. So, for yeah. me, uh, The Blind Side. Uh, I would say nice. this is not a movie that is so sports-centric, but it's about somebody that, you know, sports is a, is a vehicle in the movie, right, yes. so to speak. Great movie. Really love that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Longest Yard, Burt Reynolds, fantastic in that movie. Oh, I love that movie. That was a movie yeah. I saw with my dad um, just like on cable um, growing up one day or something, or, you know, whatever. And uh, and uh, it was just cool. I think Burt Reynolds was one of my dad's guys. So it was kind of fun sure. to just like watch a Burt Reynolds movie with my dad. And and yeah. uh, that movie's cool. That That's a cool movie. And then the, uh, the way the remake. That, yeah, remake terrible. five, terrible, terrible, absolutely. Even with Burt Reynolds in it, just nothing oh, to say. Poor Burt, terrible, um, just terrible. so bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and the ending of that movie too, just just so badass. God, the end, the way that that movie ends is so cool. Uh, the original. Um, and then um, I've got Creed on my list. Nice. Nice. I, I really, really like that movie. Creed 2 was pretty good as well, but man, did Creed make me go, holy shit, I think he can pull a whole other saga here off. Uh, yeah. They did a really good job of redefining and making the movie work for modern day. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you could pull off the same movie that, that uh, was taking place 20 to 30 years ago. So, yeah. um, hell, 40 years ago when you're talking about the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the original Rocky, holy shit! Um, I got one more fun one for you. That okay. uh, I—it's definitely a sports comedy movie, but it's actually not a sport. Basketball. Nice. You know what? That movie falls into a special category uh, for me. Um, the first time I saw that movie, I nearly needed to go to the fucking hospital because of laughing uh, so hard. Watch. Oh my god, dude! I was beside myself watching that movie like when they go into when they think the little kid is dead and they're shocking him and he's coming three feet off the bed you know and all like that scene literally almost murdered me in my living room i laughing so hard watching that and then when he, that one where he's driving uh after the girlfriend is pissed at him and the song is describing his life to him yep you remember that yeah scene? oh yeah 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 you yeah. know oh my god yeah <laughs> so i love that oh scene and but it kind of falls into a what I and, and it's not as as extreme as the the name is going to sound, yeah. but it falls into a first time funny category for me. Mm-hmm. Like the first time I saw it, I was in tears. I could not breathe. I was laughing so hard. But then the times that I see after it, a lot of it is still funny. Makes me laugh to this day, but nowhere near like it did the first time I saw it. A special movie that does do that to me is Caddyshack, yeah. which is ironic that it's not on either of our lists but it's 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 one of those movies like Rodney Dangerfield murders me every time. Yes. I watch that movie absolutely just die every time he says anything in that movie. Yeah. But Yeah, I was just going to say yeah, I was just going to say with Caddyshack, it, it it didn't make my list and again I know it's every it would make everybody else's list and it, it's just more that I feel like it's a very funny movie that takes place at a country club but really right. isn't a sports exactly. movie. Like yes. yes, they have that golf match at the end, but it's it's not really sports centric. It just happens no. to sit on a uh, country club. So uh, I love that movie as well. 
Yeah. So it, 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 just to have some fun here, you had mentioned that movie as being um, uh, basketball being the movie you laughed your ass off and then like it was just so over the top laughing that you never recreated that. I got two movies for you that did that to me. It's funny you say that because those two guys did the same damn thing to me with the South Park movie. Okay. I haven't really nice. watched a South Park movie since, but when I saw that thing opening night in the theater, we were in tears. Like, we <laughs> could not stop because they also were allowed to even get away with more than yeah. they had been getting away with on cable oh, TV, sure. and they were already yeah. pushing the limits of that. I mean, we, uh, my stomach hurt like the next morning. I was laughing so damn hard. The other movie for me was the first time of watching the original American Pie movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, for sure. It was so yeah. funny on first viewing. So, um, okay. Uh, so that does it for my honorable mentions. Okay. We're going to rapid fire here. Are you ready rapid for this? Fire. So <laughs> I, the idea is would, should somebody waste two hours to watch this movie or you're going to be fine? Okay. So it might be an average movie. You're like, nah, don't waste your time. Here we go. Sea biscuit. Meh. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Meh. Okay, fair enough. Um, I Tanya. Never seen it. Whoa. Never saw it. Okay. I apologize, Margot Robbie, because I'm madly in love with you, but uh, never saw it. It was one of those because it was. It never really hit wide release, so it never came around and i've never really sat down to watch it uh when it came out on streaming interesting you know one movie i'm surprised you didn't mention was the fighter great movie that movie amazing performance from uh christian bale uh in that one but uh overall not really a big fan of the movie you know like every everybody like the 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 boston accent from amy adams was a bit too much Mm. i didn't really care about the mom who won an academy award melissa leo uh, won Academy Award for that performance. It just, but Christian Bale, like there was no denying that that was the best performance that anybody had put on uh, that year. It's like I like that movie because of him, but not really so much the movie in general. Okay, Miracle, which we already talked about. You're saying absolutely on that. Yes, definitely go check that out. All right, ready for this? I've never saw Ali. Yeah, you're not missing much. Okay, not so much. I, I'm feeling okay with some it's of this. It's not right. the transcendent, you know, earth or life-defining uh, role for Will Smith that it was made out uh, to be. It's about Muhammad Ali. Definitely, you know, give it a look if you're if you're interested in 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 you know the story of of Ali and you know culminating in the uh, thriller in Manila or the Rumble in the Jungle, excuse me, with uh, George Foreman uh, and everything. But it's not one of those. I mean, I love the soundtrack more than I love the movie. So. Okay, good. Um, I think I think I'll leave it at that for now. There was just a few of them where I was just okay. like, I oh, uh, that I hadn't seen, and I was just kind of wondering where you would would land on it. And I'm sure I could name a ton more. Oh, well, I'm gonna give you one more honorable mention while we're at it. Okay, Blades of Glory. Oh, come on. <laughs> We saw that one together. <laughs> I know. I love that movie. Yeah. It's so stupid. It's fine. It's so, it's so terrible, but it's it's the good terrible, you know? Chaz it's Michaels. It's so over Michaels. the top. The fact yeah. his name is Chaz Michaels Michaels. I love that. Yeah. All so right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So here we are. We've reached the end of our journey, and God bless you if you're still with us. Yeah. Um, but here we are at number one. And both of our number ones are movies that we both had at number six on the list. For number for me, number one 
is Major League Simmons. Your number one is my number six any given Sunday. Which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, I'll go first. I'll go any given Sunday. So okay. why is this number one for me? It's uh, It hits all the notes that we're looking for based on our criteria. So favorite sports movie. Um, I love all of the sports sequences. I love the action on the field. I love that we're going through a regular season. I love the fact that we're getting behind the scenes with the owner, with the, with the head coach. Um, we're dealing with player injuries. Um, we're watching a, a new breakout player, try to figure out his way in the sports world. Um, yes, it's long. Yes. Maybe it's not the most perfectly well-written movie ever, or maybe it struggles to move along. But for me, I was actually captivated the whole time, um, for a couple of reasons. Um, one Al Pacino was just absolutely phenomenal in this movie for me. I thought he was great as a head coach. He's got one of the greatest speeches of all time in a sports movie that, um, you know how I feel about that speech. Yeah, you absolutely know. And then I would throw in as well along it is I remember seeing this in the theater and as I'm watching it, I'm going, well, that's Dan Marino. Oh, Hmm. that sounds a little bit like Bill Parcells. Oh, that sounds a little bit like something Mike Shanahan would say. Oh, that sounds a little bit like this. And um, as you go on throughout the movie, you're hearing Pacino say certain things or, or whatever we stayed for the whole credits, and sure enough, you know, thank you to the following for, you know, their input or whatever or, or whatever. Bill Parcells, Mike Shanahan. They started running through. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, I told you. That is Parcells right there. Um, you could – you really could feel that they really got a lot of their stories from the actual league players, coaches, etc., Yes, did Oliver Stone turn it up to an 11? He absolutely did, but, I mean, that's what made it fun for me. I love this movie. I know it's not everybody's favorite movie, but um, this is what I'm looking for out of a sports movie. I want you to take me through a regular season. I really don't want you to just play one game. Um, And, um, yeah, I I don't know what else to say about it. LT's great in that movie, by the way. He plays the character fantastically. And then um, LL Cool J is a running back. I love that. Um, I I, I love the movie. I know it's not perfect. (laughs) I mean, like I said, the thing that kind of hurt it for me is that it is so long. Like you said, it does have trouble moving along uh, at times. But it's, it's one of those movies, man. It's a classic uh, for sure, it's it's one of the best. And like I said earlier, you know, warts and all, even showing the ugly side the of football. Stuff. Yeah, the the NFL doesn't want to talk about, and uh, you know, and things like that. The, you know, the coaches maybe asking a player to keep going when it's probably not a good idea. A la Dennis Quaid, a la uh, you know Lawrence Taylor, who's basically Man. paralyzed on the field in the you know the last game of the of the film uh, and everything. It just you also- know getting. Yeah. Getting shot up with stuff and, you know, the trainer, you know, doing things you probably shouldn't be doing, letting his future contract with the team decide how he treats his players or letting the owner tell him who's healthy and who isn't uh, kind of thing. Uh, Oliver Stone got it all in there. And, and can, can we just mention if we were to do a list of the top 10 best actors to play assholes of all time <laughs> is James Woods not on that list? He absolutely is. God, yeah. is he good at being an asshole? Yeah, 
yeah. apparently I think he is in real life too. I don't think a lot of people like him. No, he's a full blown uh conservative, like one of the proud conservative like he is you know, the the ink spot in a bowl of milk as far as Hollywood uh, uh, is concerned. Because Hollywood's all liberals and, you know, progression yeah. and stuff like that. Uh Woods is old school conservative and uh so that that, that makes him very unpopular out there in Los Angeles. So but um, you know, he was great in the movie. Jim Brown uh, was great in that movie. Jim Brown. I don't give stro- I don't get strokes, motherfucker. I give him. Yeah. You know, I love that shit. Uh, you know, him being the defensive coordinator after being one of the greatest running backs yeah. of all time. Crazy. But he you, was awesome. You know who I didn't like in the movie? I actually have a character I did not care for in the movie. Can you Who's figure that? out who it is? Would it be the reporter? No, it was Anne Margaret's character. I oh, the the drunk off her ass. Yeah, uh, owner? I didn't really care for her portrayal of the the widow of the the uh, the shark's yeah. owner. Yeah, I I just don't know what that really added to the movie. And then like her, I mean, nothing happened, but her like relationship with the coach was just kind of weird. Like I I didn't really get the screen time with her and coach. Like yeah, that part that was probably the one part of the movie I was just like I don't really get this. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid to me was like Dan Marino. I felt like I don't know. He seemed mm-hmm. like the Dan Marino of the movie. Um, uh, we haven't even mentioned the name Jamie Fox, but um, I f- correct me if I'm dead wrong, and I know you will. Was this maybe Jamie Fox's coming out moment as a blockbuster act, uh, blockbuster movie actor? I think it was. I Where th- like it he's was got a starring ish role. Yeah, it was definitely one that kind of catapulted him into more of the serious roles because this came out in late two thousand, early two thousand one. We're only three years removed from him being double nominated for Oscars for yeah. collateral and winning for Ray in two thousand and four. So I mean, yeah, this, this was a th- Christmas ninety nine release, yeah. I believe, because um, yeah, I remember going when I was back home, but yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this was one of those movies that definitely catapulted him into the stratosphere as far as being taken seriously and, and giving more legit stuff uh, to do uh, in, in, in movies and, and stuff. And he was really, really good uh, in the yeah. movie. And, and I, like you said, I love the, the, the sequences. I love the, um, one of my favorite shots in the whole movie is when, you know, Willie Beeman throws a pass and we've, a la NFL film style, follow that ball slowly but so surely, cool. drift its way into the open wide receiver's hands, you know, for a touchdown yeah. uh, and everything. And then we alluded to it earlier, the um, the Game of Inches oh, speech. So just, good. I mean, the movie could be number one for that speech alone. And as you know, when you and I were in college together, I turned that speech into a montage yeah. uh, for, the, for our Western Illinois uh, football team. And one of the coaches, the offensive line coach of all people, told me, he's like, dude, that thing made me cry. That's how awesome <laughs> that was. It was all Western Illinois clips laid over the Al Pacino speech, the Game of Inches uh, and everything. He's just like, everyone could not say enough good things about what I put together uh, with that. And is like, so, of course, I've got a sentimental attachment to it. Sure. And then it's one of your and I's favorite inside jokes because Coach Patterson, of course, mentioned game of inches in the press conference yes um you know when they lost the game to <laughs> western kentucky eh, life is a game game football's game of inches where'd you hear that like, at you know, coach where'd you get that from coach <laughs> so um yeah. 
So some other things in this movie, uh, or th- just thoughts about this movie. Steaming Wheelie Beaming, uh, yeah. him plus Rod Tidwell. Man, talk about a great fictional fantasy <laughs> football team. Just uh, there's too much alpha going on. Oh. I don't think they could. There's too much ego to squeeze into one room with those two guys. How man. could they have that made that a sequel movie combining both players would have been fucking amazing having those guys together. Yeah, it'd be great to have them not get along. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, somebody great. else we didn't mention, and, you know, you've seen this and you've heard this uh, from athletes, but how about Lauren Holly as just like being oh God. Kind, kind of like of, the. the- tiger wife not tiger Yikes, mom but tiger man. wife you know she's worried about the money more than her husband's health yeah yeah crazy bitch. um yeah um and then um i love charlton heston and his small moment as the commissioner i thought he yeah. I thought he looked like a good commissioner i thought that was kind of random and fun what and was then, the league called was uh, it like the affa or something like yeah, that. Like something I not good. Struggle to even think like the American Federation of Football is I don't know what the, the American what the was in it. Be. American yeah. was in it. Um God, I I can't remember. Uh, another movie that had some had that had some uh p- current players as well. Uh Terrell oh, Owens, yeah. his 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 name on the back of his jersey was there. I yep. can't remember who else was in that movie though. There were there were several. There were a few, it was mostly receivers. I feel like yeah, too. mostly like uh, ser- ser- receivers and DBs. Yeah, like maybe like a Michael Westbrook. I don't think it was him, but there was somebody kind of like that. But To was in that movie, um, and then of course um, we had uh, we had what's her name um, Jesse from. Uh, well, I was gonna say Jesse from Saved by the Bell. Uh, oh, Elizabeth um, Berkeley. Elizabeth Berkeley made yeah. her way back into the spotlight. Uh, as well. Cameron Diaz, I thought was absolutely fantastic as the owner's daughter going to basically be in charge of the team. Um, she was awesome. Um, I love this movie. Well, I don't know what else to say. I unapologetically love this movie. Yeah. Elizabeth Berkeley. This could literally be the sequel to showgirls for the character that she was playing. Right. That's why it was kind of like, Oh, she's going from pole dancer to, to high class. hoe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um wow. Oh, and then uh some of the coaches on the sidelines, Dick Butkus. Yep. Just, you know, just his mannerisms is fun and and you didn't know going into that movie when you're going to watch it that you were going to see Dick Butkus on the sidelines. So like you got to get a kick out of that. Um uh Johnny Unitas was actually one of the coaches as well. I don't know if any I don't know if people knew that as much as, you know, uh Butkus a little more of a recognizable person on the sidelines maybe versus an, an older Johnny Unitas. Mm-hmm. Um, and damn, I feel like there was one other head coach or one other coach in the movie that, that was an actual former player. I can't coach. think of his name, but it was, like Oh, Barry old... Switzer's in that movie. Oh yes. I think yeah. he coached the last team. Yeah. The, the, right. pir- the pyramid looking team or whatever the they pharaohs, were called. I think the Pharaohs. Yeah. Yeah. That, which leads me to, I, and I know that my audience and you know about this mm-hmm. as well, the professed uniform snob. Yes. Here we go. There's some gross ones in there, that's, huh? That's actually why it's Holy number six shit. on the list. There are some horrible uniforms. I think the Miami Sharks have the best uniform in the they game. They do. In the movie. They absolutely Thank God. do. Thank and they have God. the simplest one that would you would never find on a team in Miami. You would never find a team in Miami in a tropical wearing black and white. Would yeah, never happen. That's pretty brutal for a home team. Yeah. And uh but uh yeah, like the the names weren't that great. The the I think they played a team called the Americans. 
Uh, at some point, you have the Dallas Pharaohs with those god-awful uniforms and yeah. helmets uh, in there. I mean, that was that was tough. That was tough to watch because yeah. there was not a lot of good-looking uniforms uh, in that one. So, yeah, that was that was a that hurt it for me a little bit. But uh, everything else, outstanding flick, absolutely. So, uh, a worthy number one for sure. Yeah, cool. And then finally, my number one. Uh, major league. Absolutely. Which was my six. Yeah. Yeah. It was like one of those, one of the first like sports movies came out in 87, 88 that I just fell in love with instantly. I was only 10 years old, Mm -hmm. uh, when this movie came out and it's an R rated movie. So it was always kind of taboo for me to be watching it in the first place. Right. But my dad loved that movie. So we were always watching it, uh, kind of thing. But this is one of the more quotable movies like ever uh and especially on in the sports uh movie uh scene uh for sure there are just so many different ones like a thousand lines are coming to my mind right now like you like ricky wild thing uh vaughn you know my favorite guy was lou brown the manager oh god he's like i hear you're i hear you're a pitcher you're sure not much of a dresser (laughs) you know we wear caps and sleeves at this level son Mm -hmm. you know and then of course when he take Roger Dorn's contract and he's complaining about the, the calisthenics and he pisses on his contract right oh. there in the middle of the field. So great. He yeah. said so many things in that movie when Dorn was complaining about the calisthenics. He's like, hey, I took, you know, he's come on, Dorn, get one, you know, don't olay the goddamn ball. I want you to get in front of it. He's like, I took one of those in the eye last year. And he said, I'm deeply moved. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Man, so great. This is one of those movies you truly could just watch. And th- this is, again, it's the watchability. Have it on at any yeah. time. You walk in, you watch five minutes of it and go back and do something else. But in those five minutes, you laughed your ass off. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the most famous line in the whole movie, up your butt, Joe Boo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. just so great. Just so great of a line. And you know, it was one of the you know one of those movies where it's like everybody was different yeah. in their own kind of yes. uh, way. You have the aging veteran and Tom Berenger, right. the young fireball rookie and and wild thing. Wesley, you yeah, know, Willie Wesley Mays Snipes, Hayes, yeah, Willie right. Mays Hayes, and you know he's the you know the flashy kind of showy kind of guy. Then you've got that stoic you know uh, foreign player in in Serrano and Dennis Haysbert, a guy that we fell in love with in twenty four uh, and everything and. You know, the old pitcher in, in uh, uh, what was his name? Willie Harris or something like that. And, you know, all the different guys, that Lou Brown, the manager that was happier being a tire salesman than he wanted to be head coach of the Indian or the manager uh, of the Indians. You have that harebrained, you know, owner and everything that wants the team to lose so she can move it to Miami and doing everything they can to make that worse for him. Just top to bottom, man. Just I'd watch that one over and over and over. Uh, again, I, that's one of the movies that yeah. I bought the VHS for. Nice. And it, just you know. like a well-told story while yeah. still being a comedy. Like, it just, it, yeah, just written so well. I will tell you, I still look at Pedro in that movie, and, and it's hard for me to wrap my head around that that's Dennis Haysburg. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah with the shaved head, and he's got right? the goatee. Uh, going on, and he pulls off the accent. It doesn't. He does. It's, it's not. Uh, you That's know, why it throws cheesy me off a little bit or anything. You know, the, like the voice is unmistakable. 
Dennis Haysbert sounds like nobody else. Yeah. But, you know, he pulls off the accent. You know, you believe he's, <laughs> uh, you know, in, into voodoo and stuff like that. Roger Dorn, the high-priced guy on the team that's, you know, hasn't been playing up to snuff and or earning his money uh, and everything. Just so many different things in that movie that I love. And, um, yeah, so many great scenes uh, in it, like when uh, <laughs> when Charlie Sheen has his first start and he walks like 18 people in a row <laughs> <laughs> yeah he finally throws a pitch that the guy from the yankees launches into another time zone and i love that when the coach is sitting there next to the manager and he's like look like a strike anyway you know <laughs> it's like while the guy's trotting around the bases and uh, you know he hits the next guy in the middle of the back <laughs> with the ball <laughs> which led to my favorite sequence in the whole movie when the when the umpire throws him out and Charlie Sheen just blows a gasket oh. when the umpire throws him out. He's like, I'll oh, kiss my ass. He's like, you're out of here, rookie. Yeah. You're full of shit. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. like, he's like, get out of here. He's like, why don't you blow me up? And oh, it just, God. Just like I laughed my ass. I was 10 years old. I didn't know what the right. fuck he was saying. That's what it also so makes it funnier. Funny. So right. funny to hear him say that and just blow a gasket right there when the, when the umpire's throwing him out of the game, man. And then... An underrated part, I mean, I'm not underrated because they kind of ramped it up in the, mm -hmm. the movies that followed, but Harry Doyle, a.k.a. Bob Euchre, as the, yes. the, the announcer. I mean, that's I mean, another one. The movie is nothing without him in it. Right. Right. You know, he is so great Yeah. Uh, in that one, you know. I mean, <laughs> that's like, another one. The the just a bit outside. Just I mean, a bit outside. He tried been, the corner and missed. That's been used for. I mean, that that has lived on forever. Um, you know what else I love about this movie, and it's more of a, a subtle piece, but I think it matters as far as moving up the rankings. Um, and, and it's the contrast with any given Sunday. There is something about having these guys in this movie be on real teams. Yeah, and there is yeah. that moment as you're watching these other movies that we've gone through without the real teams that you kind of remember that it's not real where when you're even with the 12 year old boy or whatever on the Cubs, uh, the rookie of the year movie, but seeing the other guys, when you're seeing the real uniforms, you kind of trick yourself a little bit watching yeah. it, you know, and this movie had that. And, uh, you know, I just think it just adds to the enjoyment of the movie and especially kind of like rookie of the year, here are the shitty Cleveland Indians who can't do anything, and you find yourself rooting for this terrible baseball team that's never, or uh, you know, it hasn't really given their fans anything to be happy about. Yeah, this band of misfit toys that this manager or this owner kind of threw together on accident just turned out to be the right recipe for a, a successful team, you know. And these guys just band together and and uh, you know make it all happen. And uh, win the big game at the end. I mean, the the last game against the Yankees at the end, just just amazing stuff, you know, from from Willie Mays Hayes making that catch where he reaches over the wall, Serrano hitting that home run when he tells Joe Boo, "Fuck you, I'll do it myself," you know, kind of thing. It's like I I you know I I defend you, I stick up for you, you know, help me now. I say, "Fuck you, Joe Boo, I do it myself," and then cranks a homer out of the stadium with all those fans going crazy. Just it's just I, I love it. I can watch it. I can watch it right now, even though it's you know late and I should probably be going to bed. I can watch Major League before I go to bed tonight.
I feel you so, on that. So, so there you have it, man. There you have it. Three yeah. hours, I think, almost. We've Just done about. Here. So I think I might have to break this one up. Ah, but, uh, yeah. Something like that. Give but, the people something to listen to. We got plenty absolutely. of time these days, so oh, the hell with sure. it. Yeah, uh, for sure. A lot of fun. Um, walking down memory lane with some of these movies, and um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of in the mood now to to crank one of these out here and uh, <laughs> and watch a few over the next, you know, and especially, I mean, it's funny you did this, but um, with the world of no sports right now, this is kind of the next best thing. It really is. It really is. It's like this and whatever 30 for 30 documentary ESPN wants to throw right. uh, out at you, or if you have ESPN Plus, you can dig one out of the archives or uh, or something like that. This is the best substitute right now. Yeah, that or uh, all or nothing on Prime. Thank God they released that Eagles one uh, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, great series, man. Great series. Yeah, I fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Just enjoy the hell out of that. So, well, Simmons, um, we're gonna have to do this again uh, at some point. Uh, you and I had a conversation about a year or so ago. Because you have your own podcast that you dabble with from time to time called Friends Over Beers, and you and a friend reviewed like the 20th anniversary or 25th anniversary of, uh, was it Batman Returns or yes, something like that? Yes, sir. And this year, 2020, is the 25-year anniversary of Batman Forever. Oh, boy. I have thoughts. The Val Kilmer, Jim Carrey, Tommy Lee Jones, Joel Schumacher uh, movie that has remember what we we're talking about necessary roughness a movie that has aged horribly in the 25 years uh since it was released because i actually thought the movie was pretty awesome the first time i saw it on opening night 25 years ago but the last time i got to see it uh, about a few three four months ago uh not so much not as embarrassing as batman and robin but pretty damn close yeah I, and i was uh and i think it would be fun because i did not care for it that much when it came out um mm. it was okay but i was definitely disappointed and it was not the batman that i was looking for yeah so that's one that we'll have to do a deep dive on like i don't think we should do a watch along i don't think that would be fun i think no. it'd be more of we each go and watch it we take some notes we come back and we have a uh, discussion about it because yep. god knows with the way that the, the the sports world is going who knows what we'll be able to do between now and i mean they're saying basketball might not come back until june i know it's crazy it's supposed to be wrapping up i mean are they just gonna have one season fold into another or something i mean what's this gonna do for the 20 2020 2021 season right you know right they're gonna be picking up with the last 15 games or something of the season in june it's insane here's what i do with basketball and hockey i would say and people are going to hate this but to me this is an excuse to do something completely different and random and just be like it, it is what it is we, we need we want to do something no more regular season games for anybody the season ends everybody makes the playoffs and the way yeah, it works and the way it works you, you kind of take a page out of like the conference championships in college sports right so uh, round one for hockey or NBA is maybe everybody that should not have made the playoffs, right? So everybody that should not have made it plays each other in a play, a quote unquote play in game, right? Yeah. And then they go on to the next seed. And, and by the way, that play in game, one game coin flip for home court, like 
doesn't matter. Like, you know, you should just be happy you get a chance to to find a way into the playoffs. Yeah. And you do a couple of consecutive play-in day um, game rounds, like you would do like the Big Ten t- tournament, for example, until you get to the normal 16. Um, yeah. And then from there, then you do the normal, you do the normal NBA, you know, I don't even know what they do these days, if it's straight sevens or if they have a five, best of five. But that that's kind of what I would do is that very first one, maybe it's a one game and then maybe the second round where you're still trying to play into the regular playoffs and maybe it's a best of three and then yeah. you get into the and then you get into the regular but why not i mean how exciting if they did this we hadn't had pro basketball for three months even if you're not a big nba or nhl fan and they just said all right tonight all of these teams or over the next couple of days everybody's a one and done like shit i'm i'm going to be watching i'm going to be thrilled to watch this so that's what I would love to see the leagues do. You know, you can blame it on the situation and just try something completely out of the box, and nobody can really blame you for that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm all on board with that. You know, what, what what sport that would be really interesting for is hockey. I think hockey. Because, yeah, I agree. Because how many times have you seen? Oh, the the uh, the Stanley Cup final is the six seed from the East Coast versus the seven seed. On the was like, what happened to one through five? <laughs> they got Christ. swept in the first round. You know, yeah, they got swept in the first round. The eight seed made it to the conference finals, and they lost to the six seed to get into the Stanley Cup final. I mean, we've seen that happen a few times uh, in hockey. It's really not so much that you manage to score 103 points throughout the regular season. It's about who's hot going into the season at the right time, about the right matchups. And even though I don't know a goddamn thing about hockey and it looks just like a bunch of guys skating around in chaos until someone puts it into net, I can watch that. Yeah, right. I would absolutely watch that. And, and knowing what I know about hockey and the probability of the fact that an underdog can run the table easily in hockey makes it far more intriguing than try to see if you know somebody could knock off LeBron and the Lakers uh, in the NBA. Yep. So Agreed. But uh, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see if we'll do the the Batman thing maybe sometime uh, in the near future because that would that's a podcast all by itself talking about that that movie Batman uh, forever. So, but you know we can probably come up with something else uh, to to fill in the space between now and then. And uh, I'd love to have you back on, man. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Been fun tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for the. Top 10 sports movies, uh, top 10 favorite sports movies uh, for myself and Ryan Simmons. And uh, yeah, we'll do this again sometime soon. Boy, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? Are you still here uh, at the end? If you are, God bless you. Or how many trips did it take you going through the episode to reach this point? Let me know. You know, did you sit through it? Were you a warrior that sat through this thing from start to finish? Do you have it playing uh, in the background while you're at work? Uh, you know, some uh, temper that because God knows that's how I listen uh, to podcasts. Uh, you know, like I listen to the the Joe Rogan, and sometimes those can be anywhere from an hour and fifteen minutes to three and a half hours uh, sometimes like yeah one of my favorite uh, comedians Burt Kreischer on the show uh, yesterday and that was a three plus hour uh, interview that they did or a three plus hour podcast that they did 
This one's going to come in just a shade under three hours. Probably the longest episode I've ever done. But uh, honestly, it, it was so much fun uh, talking to Simmons, uh, talking about those movies and, and uh, the little tangents that we went on uh, and everything uh, in between. It really was uh, a blast. So let me know if you guys appreciated uh, the, you know, the episode, if you, if you like this, because uh, we got a long way to go between now and uh, the draft, which the NFL is adamant will take place at the end of April. So I guess we'll stick to our schedule of draft previews and reviews see if we can get our good friend uh scott wright from draftcountdown.com to to come on and and talk to us uh uh, about that Uh, we have the free agency review episode next week i'm assuming that the nfl is going to release the schedule uh between now and the draft uh, as they usually do um they're they're kind of just kind of uh you know plugging along like the the season is going to take place on time uh, this year so if they're continuing to do that then maybe we'll see uh, the schedule come out uh, sometime in uh, in April before the draft like it usually does uh, if not then there won't be a schedule release show until the damn thing comes out but um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not certain what to do with the rest of the off season so that's why I put together an episode uh, like this and um, I'll try to do something a bit more Bears centric uh, the next time around, um, I'm, I'm finding uh, YouTube uh, videos of like the 85 NFC Championship game where the Bears beat the Rams to go to Super Bowl 20. Maybe I'll do like a watch along video of that. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, we'll figure something out. It, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do something, I, I promise. And um, something to stay busy, something to give you guys uh, to listen to, to, to kind of fill the hours, as I've said a thousand times already in this unique situation that we're all uh, living in uh, right now. I want to give a shout-out to all my overseas uh, listeners. Um, the the uh, epidemic, pandemic uh, hits you guys first, so I hope everyone is staying safe and everyone's uh, healthy and taking care of themselves. And everybody here uh, stateside do the same as well. So everybody just, uh, you know, stay safe. Do the best that you can to uh, enjoy and entertain yourselves uh, in this time. Be on the lookout for me. I will be back at some point to deliver you something because God knows I need to do something to keep myself busy. And, um, you know, it's it's that week time of year where there's not a lot to talk about to begin with. And then with the, the rest of the world going through what it's going through, <laughs> pickings are pretty slim uh, at this point. So we might have a few of these off the subject episodes between now and the time that we all get back to uh living our regular lives and back to business and uh and whatnot so we just all need to be uh patient with each other and uh we'll get through this and uh you know the the gold at the end of the rainbow is uh life getting back to the way that it used to and hopefully a 2020 season that will be able to come on time or at least uh we'll get a full season that will be delayed a bit or or something like that who knows maybe they'll push it back so they're playing the super bowl on my birthday next year who knows that would be awesome sometime in march but uh anyway i'm gonna let you guys go thanks so much for sticking around i hope you guys enjoyed it and uh until next time my name is larry d and this has been bears talk underground 